Buongiorno, everyone. Welcome to the Galleria dei Uffizi. My name is Sofia, and I will be your guide through our many exhibits. Before we begin, I would like to inform you of the Galleria's policies and procedures. First, please note that some of the pieces on display may prove to be vulgar or suggestive in nature. Thus, we do not recommend this tour to children. We leave this to your discretion. Next, we believe the best experience for patrons on this tour is with prior knowledge of the pieces on display. Therefore, for example, if you do not have prior insight on the piece Arte, do err on the side of caution. Lastly, you will meet additional guides on your tour today who will share their experiences and opinions of these exquisite pieces. But at Galleria dei Uffizi, we must note that the thoughts of our employees may not be the same thoughts of the Galleria proper. Are there any other questions before we begin? No? Very well. We will begin our tour with this beautiful oil painting of Mary Magdalene, done in 1620 by Artemisia Gentileschi. Now, Mary Magdalene was much loved subject both by painters and the public because she represented the ideal model of the search of virtue and the renunciation of worldly pleasures. Gentileschi wished to recount the story of this difficult path in her portrayal of a young woman with wild hair wrapped in a magnificent... Buongiorno! Welcome to another episode of Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of artisans get together and to discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. I'm Maestra Stephanie, and I'm here today with my apprentices, Signore Jamal. Anybody who says apprenticeships are dead has clearly never been to trade school. Lady Gigi. It's another episode of the Somebody is Over Party. And Signore Andrew. Bellissimo. Buongiorno. Molto bene. Mazel tov. How you doing, everybody? I don't know Italian. <laughs> Already canceled. <laughs> I, 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 like, look, we're barely even a minute in. That sounds about right. <laughs> look, we're not going to talk to the audience about how you don't know how tape measures work right now, all right? Or what a half bathroom is. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> The talk of apartments has been rampant among us lately. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Uh, today, <laughs> today we're here to fulfill a special commission from one of our lovely Patreon members. That's right, it's time for the quarterly Patreon request episode. This time, we have the ever-amazing Marissa Lenti to thank for today's request. Thanks, Marissa. We're here to discuss... Shut up! Let me finish my intro. <laughs> We're here to discuss love and art with the spring 2020 series from director Takeyuki Hanama and Studio 7 Arcs. We have Arte. If you have not heard of this series, here's a quick little summary. In early 16th century Florence, Italy, Arte is the only daughter of the noble but decadent of, but a, of a noble but decadent household. Words. Since her childhood, Arte has proved herself blessed with an unusual talent for painting. But when her father dies, her mother tries to force her to abandon her love for art and find a young noble man, a noble young man to marry as soon as possible in order to save the family from ruin. Arte, however, refuses to give up on her dreams. And going against the beliefs of her time, she starts searching for a master painter to work for, hoping to one day become a master painter herself. 
Her strong determination ultimately catches the attention of the young but well-known painter, Leo, who accepts her as, an, as his apprentice. Unfortunately, as time goes by, Arte finds herself falling in love with her mentor, Leo, and is forced to make her choice between her first personal artistic dream and realistic love. That was pulled from Wikipedia, don't ask me. I was gonna say, <laughs> did you write that yourself? Because I gotta have words with you. That was pulled from Wikipedia, don't at me. <laughs> I was gonna say, okay. Because that last, that last sentence doesn't exactly come into play too much in this show, FYI. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so we're here to talk about Arte. I'm taking a brief pause for a second because that fucking Mustang is coming in again. Oh, fuck that guy. Mustang Sally. Oh, that guy All you want to do is ride around Sally. Ride <laughs> Sally. He's done. Ride. He's stopped. He stopped. His Mustang's not spinning my dad's Mustang. And what sucks is he parks usually right by my goddamn window. So obviously I hear the fucking thing. It's loud <laughs> as fuck. I don't care. I, I don't care for that guy. Every fucking time. God, I won't be surprised because this happens too. Because he just came back. I won't be surprised that maybe like in an hour or two into this, he will go out again. I won't be surprised. Anyway, back on track. So yes, we're here to talk about Arte. This this precious little show that probably I think might have flown under people's radars personally. And I just adore the hell out of it. It was so cute. I wanted to watch this when it was airing because under the assumption of um, the regular Samuel schedule. Uh, but of course, we all know 2020 is a hell of a year. Uh, and it actually, the dub didn't actually begin production or really started airing until the fall. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm happy it finally did because it even became a thing because it's so precious and I love it. And I kind of will won't lie i kind of want to cosplay arte i could probably pull it oh off. you 100 percent <laughs> can pull it off it'd be great i might yeah. be a little biased in that but i think i think you could absolutely pull you it off. are so fucking biased it's not even funny <laughs> look i'm not oh uh, look am i even pretending i'm not fair uh but anyways i huh we're, as always, we're going to be discussing the series from writing and directing to the casting and performances um, of this Funimation and Sound Cadence English dub for Arte. Yeah, Very, that's... I think it's important to mention that. Yeah. Because, realistically speaking, um, this is the first major um, show Sound Cadence got their hands on since Actors back in the winter, I believe, of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's with that and all the other projects that they've been have they've gotten their hands on in the past like what six months not even like they're really like <laughs> really growing and it's amazing to see it. Um, I, I, but yes, sorry. I, I think I just mostly wanted to to mention that I think the time the specific timeline in which this dub came out is kind of worth mentioning too because like we mentioned that the fact that the show the show itself came out like once covid really started ramping up and i feel like right. 
when the dub and the I, th I believe the sh I believe the show itself was one of those ones that wasn't delayed or pushed back either. It still aired. I yeah, they actually yeah. finished the production of this like before it aired. It's one of those rare shows where they actually completed yeah. the production before it aired. So this one was fine. Mm -hmm. It didn't have any delays. Well, like a lot of things mm -hmm. that aired in spring 2020 did. But the actual timeline of the dub's kind of interesting because. Mm -hmm. They were still kind of trying to figure out the real method to the madness of doing simul doves and still right. doing like two to three weeks behind. And by that point, Funimation kind of picked up the... a lot of anime and they kind of couldn't keep up with dubbing and right. producing all of the anime. So, right. Yeah. So, a lot of the recent shows. You could you see them outsourced to other recording studios like Sound Cadence, oh, yeah. like Coach of Sound. Okatron got has been uh, involved with a few as well to kind of pick up the slack and catch up on everything. But it also I think is honestly a really good thing because it gives us different kinds of um, different kinds of dubs than the typical like in-house Funimation ones that we normally. Oh, see. absolutely. So I'm I'm all for it. And Arte is a very interesting situation which so i hope you're ready senores and senoras so why don't we begin with our adr staff let's talk about our adr director our assistant adr director we have two script writers and because with this show in particular i think this is actually very important there is a production assistant slash script consultant um actually credited for arte and i think it's very important with this series that we do discuss it a little bit so I'm going to start with that consultant. We have Emily Fajardo. Uh, the only other production assistant credits she has uh, is with Actors Song Con Songs Connection. But she has also served uh, as other production ADR staff roles for series such as Thermai Romai and the short film Cannon Fodder for the, from the anthology film Memories. As for our two scriptwriters, we have Clayton Browning and Alex Mai. Clayton Browning, you would know for his work on other series such as Boogie Pop and Others, Kochoki and SSSS Gridman. Alex Mai, on the other hand, only has one other scriptwriting credit. It's for Sorcerer Stabber Orphan. Uh, he does have various other production-related credits, but in terms of writing, this, is, this and um, Arte are the only two that he has currently. Interesting. As for our assistant ADR director, uh, we have Amberly Connors, who has also served as the ADR assistant director for BDEX and Graceria Phantom Trigger. And as for our ADR director, we have Marissa Lenti, who has served as ADR director for other series such as Banania and the Curious Bunch, Kimono Friends, and this thing decided to autocorrect it. But okay, um, at the time of recording this episode, she was announced as the ADR director for the recently um, started production for Adachi and Shimamura. Yeah, I'm so excited about that one. That's the exact like crew of people I wanted on that. I'm so excited. Yep, the Adachi Shimamura staff is like the dream right there. <laughs> I I'm gonna kind of start with my thoughts on directing, writing, and all that fun stuff, because there are a couple key pieces of information that I think will be very prevalent. Um, so, in terms of the writing, I'll start there. First and foremost, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love, <laughs> it was very, very, it was able to stay very casual, um, very 
appropriate for the time period that it is because this is a this is kind of like a historical period piece in a way um though loosely uh based on the life of an actual prominent painter from uh italy during the renaissance um but I also love, it's one of those shows that integrates um, the Italian language as well with a lot of commonplace phrases and terminologies um, similar to, uh, the only other one I can think of that has done something similar to this and actually has succeeded as well um, would be Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind. Um, but I think it that's you, the terminology in Italian expressions are actually used, I think, much more broadly and more openly in Arte, and I think how that's incorporated and matching lip flaps with and everything, it works really well. Um, the directing front, I really, really enjoy this a lot because there are two things about it that I really, really loved. One is the fact that, um, and Andrew actually confirmed this because uh, I needed a reminder on a couple of quick things. Um, he actually confirmed this with Marissa Lenti for us. Um, the majority of the cast is actually made up of Italian Americans. So, oh. yes. Yep. So, not only did they go out, not only did Marissa and the crew at Sound Cadence go out of their way to include a broad Italian American cast, you have, they took full advantage of remote recording. 100%. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you have, you have, one or two Texas regulars, uh, this is only the, concerning the main cast. You have like one or two Texas regulars. You have a couple people from LA. You have a couple people from New York. You have one person from Canada <laughs> in this cast. So and that's not even going into the extras. No, not even. Because like you had, um, we're not going to discuss them, but I know they were con confirmed in the rules. You had a random Jonas Scott in there. Jimmy Markey was a one episode um, character. You have, God, who else? Chris Guerrero was in there. It's, I don't remember her name, such... but I saw somebody from Kentucky was in this. Yeah. Like, it's all over the place. And I think... With the pandemic being what it is for 2020, it also brought in this this opportunity for this expansive remote recording. And I'm glad that at least in Texas, and at least in Texas, it's being taken advantage of so much. And the biggest culmination of that, when you really notice it, like coming together in such a way that it works, is 100% this show. Um, because after that, while you saw bits and pieces here and there in some shows before, after that you see other dubs like taking full advantage of this. Um, Agudama Drive is actually another pretty good example of this because you have oh, yeah. actors on on the um, West Coast as well and the main cast of that. It's it's very interesting to see that and to see these studios in Texas taking advantage of it. Um, and I really wish that more studios like keep incorporating this. Like, oh my God, the time of recording this episode. Uh, fuck. Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle, right? Yeah. The show, there is an actress from Australia in the damn thing. Yeah. I'm like, that's really neat. Like, there's a lot of things that have sucked about COVID, but I feel mm -hmm. like this is one of those shows that turned the, uh, the challenges of the circumstances into mm -hmm. its biggest strength. Correct. 100%. 
Though, to be fair, there is a slight downside to this, and, um, I saw tweets recently, and I actually had made a tweet a while ago with my sentiments on the remote recording, um, for Arte, um, where someone has also stated as a counter-argument that they also want to see the remote recording not just happening in Texas, but also like in the LA side and the New York side. So that way it gives more opportunities for people in Texas to even broaden their horizons as well. Mm-hmm. And that is honestly a very, very fair argument to have. Very. Um, because <laughs> while Texas is pretty much one of, if not the major hubs for anime dubbing, LA is the probably the other big one. Like, I, I understand there's probably like union rules and regulations that probably might contribute to some of the problems with this um but like having like this expansive vast pool of talent is just mind-boggling so having remote recording like this be much more broad and expansive on all different coasts like that would be amazing but arte is i think one of the true major testaments of this remote recording stage and how those opportunities can really shine um and i think it's fantastic the reason why i wanted to talk about emily farhardo um as the production assistant slash script consultant so i remember there being tweets early on when the show was airing as well emily farhardo actually studied art history oh yeah interesting so mm-hmm. so she brought a lot of the knowledge and experience that she had with her studies into the show uh in including uh there is a line in the show uh she actually managed to integrate help integrate a quote from the real life artemisia artemisia if i can pronounce that correctly uh who is the female painter that arte is loosely based on um it actually came up in i believe the first episode um when arte is talking to leo about her reason for wanting to be an artist and a painter. As long as I live, I will have control over my being. And that is a a quote and line kind of directly or indirectly pulled from Artissima. Um, So that kind of integration uh, kind of just brings more, um, not familiarity, but... um, Historical accuracy? Accuracy, that's the word I'm thinking of. Um, much more, much, wow, I can talk, bigger, a lot more accuracy to the show, even though it's loosely based on, um, these characters, a lot of the setting and all this stuff is much more accurate, and I think that helps a lot. Um, I really, (laughs) I know I was talking about semantics and logistics and stuff. Um, I love the casting, I love the performances, I don't really have many if at all any problems with this um but yeah honestly i really enjoy this show it's just this wholesome thing and i really really loved it i'm sorry i took forever but there's a lot of like nitty-gritty details um relating to the production that i think are very important when talking about this show um let's go to Gigi. what are your thoughts on the writing directing of the show Um, I guess I'll start out by saying that I thought this show was going to be one thing and then it wasn't. And, Mm. uh, well, 
we'll just put it in this category that I thought it was going to be my type of anime and then it wasn't. So just keep that in the back of your mind. This has nothing to do with the dub because I thought the dub was pretty damn good for a show that I didn't really mm-hmm. like this, at least the whole second half of. Um, right. So um, I think the word that you were looking for was authenticity. Mm. Thank you. That is the correct. That's the actual word I was looking for. Not accuracy. <laughs> authenticity. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that's the word I, didn't, I wanted. I didn't want to interrupt because you're not Andrew. So it's okay. Oh, look, I was, I was, because, I was only trying because to this like is a, a Patreon episode, because this is a Patreon episode, I'm going to quell, quell my cancel party until appropriate Listen, time. We about to say we can cancel him at appropriate times. Yes. I mean, we could talk about the Rolodex again if you want. Uh, I was oh, going to bring up the Rolodex. Oh, but... <laughs> hey, I'll have you know, this after my... that episode was recorded, several of our friends also were like, man, I had no idea what a Rolodex was too. I thought it was a fancy watch. So I feel validated that I'm not the only one. No, that Don't. just means you and everybody else who made those comments are children. <laughs> Go on dictionary.com, millennial dirty Gen Zer over here. Or uh, or it's, watch it, television. It's clear none of your family members ever worked in business. My dad's a fucking business, like sales guy. Come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. This is a Patreon anyway, episode. Anyway. I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it classy because th- they paid to do. No, I'm just. Well, they did, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Patreon's a thing. Patreon's a thing, and I mostly only do Patreon episodes now. And besides, I'm going out for like four months after I record this, so. I, I mean, keep- like you and me both. I'm gonna be gone for like at least a solid month. Christ. We gotta keep this classy, fam. Um. Let's so, do it, bitch. so, and I will also preface this with saying that my, um, my ex- personal experience in Italian is not as much as my personal experience in say like French culture or some mm-hmm. other European cultures where I can accurately, um, talk about the accent work. I can mm-hmm. sing in Italian, but it's like that American Italian. Y'all know when you sing opera, sometimes you don't get like authentically Italian feel in there. You get like American Italian. So I'm not going to yeah. comment too much on that. Um, I will say I loved the casting for this. I made a comment mm-hmm. on it on Twitter where I was like, this casting is really weird and not what I expected. And even when I right. heard the actors and I knew of them, what I was hearing was not what I expected from those actors. So it kept mm-hmm. me kind of like guessing and really um, excited, anticipating how they would sound when the, the dialogue came out. Um, for, as I talk about the accents now, um, I kind of liked that there was a lack of accent work. Um, yes. There was no it's a me Mario, you know, like oh, we're no, gonna it, go it, to the Italian restaurant and have a must. That would have been, no, been overkill. No, none yeah, they didn't go over with it, and it it, they, it wouldn't have it would have bogged it down. I think, kind of backing like um, bouncing off of that a little bit. I think that's why the use of like the Italian terminology, I think, made it work so well and kind of integrated a much more seamless. So that way, you didn't have to have. It didn't have the crazy stereotypical Italian accents that Mm -hmm. are so prevalent in like American media nowadays. And also something I kind of noticed, and this might have sort of had to do with mixing, but I'm kind of hoping that it had something to do with direction. 
was that almost every time somebody said an Italian word or phrase, it was kind of understated and a little bit softer than when they were speaking like fully in English. So I appreciated that because it kind of like made Mm -hmm. you listen a little bit more or for me, you know, read the subtitles better. So, um, (laughs) Um, I I felt that there was a lot of heart put into this dub, Um, the casting, the directing, the writing, like you could feel that like this was kind of like a a really nice project for the whole team over at Sound Cadence. Um, As for the writing, uh, for me, this was a hard show to keep interesting, um, but they definitely tried and they tried to make it interesting um, for people who wouldn't necessarily be into this kind of show or into this kind of genre. Um, Okay. But it also kind of stayed true to the period, but without making it boring, it kind of stayed more true to the tone um, Mm. instead of making it very like dull and stale and all about history. um, There was a good balance of words that would be, you know, more used today um, and the traditional words. So I thought that was a pretty nice mix there. there's something else I wanted to say about it, and I didn't write it down. And now I'm kicking myself because all I'm thinking of is it's a me, Mario. Yeah. So let me jump in on this for a second. Please and ask do. You. So basically, um, what you're saying with the writing is it kept in mind the audience that it was Thank catering you. to, but it yes. at least, but it did have at least the um, the I guess decency is the right is the word I'm thinking of right now to try and have some authenticity with the historical period right and like oh this is what i remembered like at the, when i was done with it i was texting Steph like the last episode mm-hmm. and i was like is leo supposed to be leonardo da vinci don't come at me fam. it's not confirmed i don't know my fucking time <laughs> the period assumptions there but he sure was painting a, in a ceiling and then i kind of remembered yeah. that i think that was michelangelo I get my nin- I don't knows? get the Ninja Turtles mixed up, but I sure do get these Italian Renaissance painters mixed up. I don't think they're going for <laughs> historical accuracy on this one. I- right, no. but now, like, yeah, I was I thinking not. it, and I was like, Leo, now he's painting a ceiling. Isn't this, could be, could this be, like, a thing? Um, but honestly, I don't think I could have watched this show in the Japanese. Like, I just, mm. I, I don't think I would have gotten through it. So... And because like maybe because of some of the context and the terminologies could have gone over your head a little or no i just think that they did a good job in the english like i don't okay. think if i i think i don't think i would have been as connected to it if i were to have watched it in the japanese and i probably would have turned it off at the halfway point so it's a better chance that if you had watched the japanese your preference would lean more towards the english then right got it okay anything else it's a me Mario. Oh my god. It's a me, Gigi. Um, <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, Jamal. What are your thoughts on the writing and the directing? Uh, I'd like to preface my only experience with Italian is Italian food, but uh... <laughs> the best kind of Italian. Ooh, have you been to Italy? Because those Italian men, and they have like no butts, but damn. <laughs> They have no they wow. That was the best thing about Italy. I went there for two whole days. Is that why? They- oh, That's shit. all I remember. I didn't expect you to mention is that, why- that Italian Gigi, Gigi is that no why blood. they paint everything in the front? Because there's nothing to show in the back? Kind of. It was really weird. I've never seen men with like the flattest butts than in Italy. Oh my so god. Weird. Sorry, I'm trying to put my phone down. So if I don't you're talk an anymore. ass man or woman, oh 
Stay out of Italy. Jamal, go ahead. I'm gonna start with the riders because I know that Clayton a lot of times tends to be a little technical. I think I thought he and Alex did a pretty good job with uh, what Emily gave them to work with. Uh, Alex, I'm not too too familiar with him as a rider. I know he does a lot of ADR prep for Sidekick Disc. Yes. I've seen I've seen his name on credits before. No, yeah, that's what I was saying before. He he's his the only other thing he's done some writing for with Sorcerer Stabber Orphan. Otherwise than that, it's mostly just ADR prep, honestly. Yeah. So he's still relatively new on the writing front. Yeah. And uh, Emily Fajardo, I, I like I like how she used her art history and knowledge to like mm -hmm. really help sell the tone of Arte here, because it, it, it was it was very spot on, even if it's loosely based on a, a real life person and uh I mean I like I like Emily Fado. I, I just wish we could talk about more her more as an actor, but for her as a PA, she did pretty well helping out with this. And uh, as for the directors, it, it's kind of interesting because did, for the Cyber Dub, did they do two episodes a week? Yes, they did. Oh, yeah. They did two episodes a week. Yeah. They did two episodes a week during its runtime. They did it also for Glepnir afterwards when Arte was done. Um,. But, uh, yeah, it was every week they did two. So I would suspect, I probably should have confirmed with this Marissa, um, I suspect that they had been at least in production for a little while before they started airing the show. Um, By that time, the show was also completely done, too. That probably helped. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but I did learn that this was like Marissa's first cyber dub, so that really helped. Yes, that is also oh, true. Oh, yeah. Amber, was, I believe Amber was a director of actors, so yeah, I think that's correct. I'm also excited for another first she has, but I hope we get to cover that show later. But, uh, you know, they do, they do very good work. You know me, I'm the sound case. I really love any work they put out, like... You could sell, you could they could like sell me on like the worst show possible. I'd still watch the hell out of it. <laughs> no, personally, like the more projects that Sound Cadence has been able to pick up, I've been just falling in love with them more and more. Cause like before the pandemic hit, I barely knew anything about Sound Cadence stuff, honestly. Like, Sound Cadence now convinced it's just, people like, to watch the bug anime. That in itself is fucking impressive. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that Kickstarter to come in this week, but, uh... Oh, you're getting it this week? Shit, alright. Um... Anyway. Anyway. But yeah, I know, I know they definitely, they're definitely technical enough to be hands-on, and I know sometimes they do provide experience to the anime, which we'll get to later mm -hmm. on, but... Yep. For, for all the, for all the leaps and bounds they had to go through with Arte, I, I really... Buy these two other work, and uh, I'm interested to see what's coming next. For, well, I already know what's coming next for them. I'm just interested. I'm about to, to say, at the time of recording, we this, got a Sound good Kings idea of what they're doing. Two next. new simul dubs, both of which Sound are promising. Two new simul dubs they're working on. So, though I'm, yeah. though I'm very curious about that Grisaya Phantom Trigger anime, though. But I think that was also a Kickstarter story. thing. But yeah. So, okay. Uh, I'm done. Okay, Andrew, what are your thoughts on the directing and writing? Man, y'all took all the good points. Okay, um, it good. <laughs> it good. I will out. of course have more to say, but the main. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it good. Um, who 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 is 
who does who does that usually? Is that Amon? Is that who it is? I think so. I think it's Amon who usually does the it good. But yeah, um, this is uh, my my only real experience with Arte is that back during the spring seasonals for Podcast One, I watched an episode of this and I was like, that's pretty cute. I may get back to it later. And then I did get back to it later because I kind of hit that point where it's like, I really don't keep up with that many seasonal simulcasts subbed anymore. I'm kind mm -hmm. of just at that point in my life yeah. where it's like, eh, I'll I'll probably just wait for the dub. This season's been weird because I've actually yeah. been doing that for three you, shows. You, you're me then. Yeah, yeah. You were me then. I, I, I had gotten to that point like over a year ago. Yeah, I've hit that point myself where it's just like, I really don't care that much with keeping up with the the subs that much anymore I, i'll just wait for like okay if a mm -hmm. dub comes out i'll get to it then like this season's weird because right. i'm actually keeping up with the sub for like three different shows all of which are fucking amazing but that's irrelevant i watched one show of this I, th so I watched one shows. show of this i watched one episode of this subbed i thought it was very cute and charming and i would get back to it later i finally got back to it later now that's got an english dub it was a really enjoyable English dub. It was a really charming show. I enjoyed my time with it. I think the script has the right amount of Italian seasoning into it where it's not distracting, <laughs> but it enhances the overall quality of the piece overall. I'm sorry. I heard that slight <laughs> chuckle, Jamal. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Italian seasoning. It's got, it's got a nice rich, rich texture to it. You know, you feel me? Stop! God damn it! <laughs> We're talking about art, not food. Stop! Art, food can be art. It can be. Not in this show. It's not. The only food you see is being made is bread. Bread can be I'm art. Thirsty. Bread is art. Bread, boss, lasagna. Have you ever tried making bread? That shit's hard. <laughs> Andrew, yes, I have bread. tried making bread. Andrew, we've made banana bread together. Yes, I've made bread okay. before. Okay. Oh, Anyways, the point I'm making is the script has a, has a fun little Italian thrown in there, and I think it actually enhances it, but is it, like, distracting? I think it's got the right balance yeah. of that. And I think overall the character di dialogue and dynamics are very fun, entertaining, and enjoyable. Uh, the direction of this is really strong and really solid. And, of course, the most impressive thing overall is, of course the real ambition which i feel like we are now at the point where i guess maybe the ma the magic is still there but at this point it's like okay yeah no they're just bringing in people from all over i feel like arte when it came out was like one of the first dubs to really truly take advantage of the of mm -hmm. the fact that it is a record from home situation and basically Marissa yes. just got anybody she's got contacts with and has a home setup who is also Italian-American in heritage. And it's like, hey, you look cool, get in. I think, without a doubt, the most impressive, ambitious thing about this is the casting. And I think that in itself is a mm -hmm. really unique, extremely commendable feat that really makes Arte, as a production dub overall, stand out. Yes. All right. Uh, I guess that means we're ready to talk about these characters, huh? Mm hmm So pretty much, I, I unless we have a time constraint, save for our actual main two characters, everybody's paired up. <laughs> so 
our first pair, they're probably going to go rather quickly, I think. Um, we have Lady Sophia Falier uh, and one of the maids of the Falier family, Daphne. So, Sophia, uh, Sophia and Daphne, so in the last third or so of the, um, of the series, Arte is given a job to go to Venice uh, to be the portrait painter for the Falier family as well as tutor little Katarina, uh, who we will discuss after this. Uh, Sofia is Katarina's mother, and Daphne, I just said, is one of the maids at the Fallier family. So, voicing these two characters, as Daphne, we have Lisa Ortiz, who has voiced characters such as Subasa Shibahime in His and Her Circumstances, Roxanne in Ultimate Muscle, and Lena Inverse in the Slayers franchise. As for Sophia, we have Natalie Von Sistine, who has voiced characters such as Rosa Canyon in Rio Rainbow Gate, Saya Irino in the upcoming dub of Black Rock Shooter, and Silver Fox in Kimono Friends. Uh, let's start with... I'm going to start with Jamal on this one. What are your thoughts on these performances? Uh, Lisa Ortiz's death there. I thought she was pretty good. I don't listen to a lot of Lisa Ortiz voice anymore. I mean, that's since the early four kids days. It's been like mm -hmm. few and far between, but yeah, she did pretty good with what the maid had. And I, I really kind of admire that. Uh, that you've had 16. Well, first off, hot emoji! But, uh. <laughs> I don't understand the context. Uh. Watch Kuba 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 Bill, you'll get it. Oh. oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I get it now, I get it now. Right, I forgot. Might be. Anyway, I thought she did. I thought she did. She was pretty interested as well because, you know, it's a, a big girl kind of well. Because, like, I know the last time I heard her play an adult, she was kind of like tied in this bullshit. That was a thermite robot. But, uh,. <laughs> oh, thermite Roma. <laughs> yeah. So when I heard her play somewhere with kind of royalty, and uh, it, it's interesting. Like it was pretty good. Like she she played a fake placement character who finally stood up for herself at the very end. Yes. And although I'm tempted to make Sistine Chapel jokes, I thought she did pretty good in this role. So. It was right there, Stephanie. You know damn well it was. <sighs> Just because you're right does not mean you're correct. Doesn't it? Mm, nah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got to say for now, so. Okay. Um, Andrew. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Lisa as Daphne. Uh, I think she actually had a pretty good presence to her in the show because she's basically just a she's just a servant to the Falier family but she's got a lot of personality to her as well I really love her dynamic with uh, Arte when she's actually showing her around like some art in Venice and there's a couple of guys that are basically being like Ugh, look at you stupid woman trying to get into a man's world of art and she's like hey you fuckers you leave her alone she's like really mad and irate and Arte just laughs it's like ah, ah, men are so shitty wherever you go and it's like ah that, that was just a really charming scene yep. and i actually really like how she interacts with uh katarina and uh with arte and i think 
She's got a lot of good energy to that. Lisa's got a very subdued, like, serving attitude to her, but I think it, it's got the right amount of personality that stood out and left a good impression with me. I thought Daphne was a pretty fun character. Uh, Sophia is basically... She is quite literally the portrait beauty type person. Like, you look at her, like... Mm -hmm. You look at her to the point that Yuri's looking at her, it's like, damn, I'm gonna take that for my brother. Like, he's that tempted. <laughs> Jesus. Look, look, I'm not convinced that Yuri wouldn't do that, just saying. Yuri can be a piece of shit, so yes. Yuri, Yuri's fun. Yuri can be that much of an I, asshole. I don't believe Yuri is above adultery. Anyways, what Yuri reminds me of a very specific character, and when we talk about him next, you're gonna quickly understand the connection. Good to, good anyway. to know, but Natalie's interesting. Like, I'm, very, I'm not as familiar with her, though I've liked a couple of the things she's done. She has a nice, very, like, regal, calm aura to her that I think... Yeah. I, I think she do, does a good job really nailing this kind of, like, she, she is not, like, snooty rich person, but she's a little more quiet. Like, she lives the life of somebody who is wealthy, but she's also a little bit, like, more passive and subservient because her husband's kind of an asshole. Her husband's kind of an asshole, which actually kind of made it really satisfying when she is shaking in fear and she really kind of lashes out. It's like, no. This is our kid. Let her fucking speak. And I actually think that's a great scene. And Natalie yes. absolutely sold, like, the the fearful but trying to snap back for once in her life. And also the tenderness of just, like, I don't know how to be a mom, but I really want to be your mom, kid. And I thought that was actually super sweet. Mm -hmm. I think Natalie does a really good job making uh, Sophia's, uh, Sophia's eccentricities charming and... Interesting. Okay. Gigi? Um, I'm going to take a pass rather than talk up my ass about this because, to be quite honest with you, I just learned we were talking about these characters like before we started recording this. I didn't write any notes I'm down. Sorry. It's okay. And these were honestly the episodes that I kind of like passively watched because it was at this point that I was really just hoping for it to be over. Not because the dub was bad, because this anime is not my taste. But, uh, so I'm gonna take a pass. But I'm sure you guys were great. I just cannot remember anything. So rather than me talk out my ass, I'm just gonna pass. I appreciate the honesty. Uh, that leaves me then. So, Natalie and Lisa, I think the key things with the performances of these two characters is they are women of their station. And obviously, back then, in the Renaissance era, you have. A noble woman who is stuck kind of in this arranged marriage for the sake of well, for sake of family and their wealth and all this fun stuff, and so she has to exude this um, regal, noble feel and air to her um, as a woman of her station. And I think Natalie displays that very, very well. Uh, <laughs> The fact that Jamal brought up Kuma 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 Bear, thank you for that, because I almost completely forgot about that for a second. And it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's a very different voice, because this is much more... 
as you call it, more of like a big girl voice, like more lower in register, but also has the grace and poise um, of a nobleman. And her standing up to her husband, I think, was fantastic because it it comes back to the idea of this this historical authenticity. Um, because you don't normally see women standing up for themselves against their husbands in situations like this. So it, it, it makes the scene much more poignant um, with, with Natalie's like slight fears coming through a little bit at uh, uh, the possible repercussions um, of her going against her husband for the sake of her daughter. So I think that was very, very well played. Um, and then Lisa as Daphne... Daphne is a woman of her station. She is a maid for a noble family. And as such, Lisa exudes this gentleness, this slight sternness to her, and um, has a sense of duty to serve the, serve the family she works for. So I think both of these roles were very well done and portrayed very well. Uh, and again, keeping with that authenticity of the, the time period, I think is the major thing with this. Um, but, ha! Huh, I'm very brief on that. <laughs> I think we're good for the next two characters. Oh yeah! Right? Before before I forget, mm-hmm. we're not talking about him. Hi, Chris Guerrero. You were great. Your character was a fucking asshole, but you were great. Yes. Fuck Malta. Fuck Malta. <laughs> Fuck Malta so hard. He's a dick. Hi, but Chris was fantastic. <laughs> Hi, Jamie. That's I enjoyed hearing beautiful. you in anime again. I miss oh, yeah, you. No, Hi, Jamie. uh, Jamie's character was also great, too. She was fun. Jamie's character, Ruthana. If she was in the show more, I would love to talk about her because, god damn it, she's a fun character. Um. Anyway, <laughs> our next two characters, I believe we're ready to mm-hmm. move on, yes? Mm-hmm. We're going to stay in the same story arc of the last third of the show. We're just going to move to the two characters that are the most prevalent in that story arc. We have Yori Fallier and we have little Lady Katarina. So Yori, uh, part of the Fallier family, he travels to Florence on like a little trip, discovers that Arte is a female painter and a good one at that. Um, and he's the one who employs her excuse me, he's the one who employs her to be the portrait painter for the Faliers, as well as tutor his niece, Katarina. Uh, Katarina is a little... <laughs> Katarina has a very inter- interesting and complex story that's explored in the span of like two or three episodes. Um, she is not necessarily seen in her family as a child or someone who should even exist in that family basically. Um, and she kind of acts out against her family because of this. Um, bring, which brings us to Arte being probably like the 10th or 15th etiquette teacher that she's had to have since um, she keeps frustrating all the other ones and sending, and they get they just quit on her <laughs> because of her attitude. She's very precocious. Um, voicing these two characters, as Katarina, we have Michelle Marie, who has voiced characters such as Chihiro Yoshi- Yoshioka in Glepnir, Fitzel in Sword Art Online Alicization, and, Gy- and Gyokuto in Yashihime, uh, Demon Half Princes, Princesses, excuse me. And as as uh, Polnareff, I mean Yuri. Okay, just <laughs> um, saying. <laughs> we have Doug Earls, <laughs> who's voiced characters such as Kasugai Crow in Demon Slayer and Kimetsu no Yaiba. Akihiro Artland in Gundam 
uh, Mobile Suit Gundam guy, Iron Blooded Orphans, and even though I joke about it, he is also the voice of Jean-Pierre Polnareff in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Star Desk Crusade. Are you joking? No! I'm no. not! That's fucking Polnareff! I'm not! Now I'm even more mad at this. <laughs> I'm even more <laughs> mad. I made the joke, but for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Gigi, do you want to get your salt out of the way? I literally just pushed my glasses up. Like, that is how <laughs> angry I am. Wait, hang on. You have glasses? Um, I know you I know you passed on the last character on the last characters. Um uh, if you want, you can go first for this one. Yo, alright. Let's <laughs> let's start with Katarina, who um at points I thought her voice was more grown up than Arte's. Just saying, that's not a bad thing, but y'all, if you have any history of this podcast at all, know that I have a thing where I don't typically care for bratty little girl voices. It's like my least mm -hmm. favorite thing in the dubbing world. Um, but I actually think that Michelle did like, I've never, I don't think I've heard anything she's done. Um, so I thought she brought a good new bratty little girl voice to the scene. Like I wasn't cringing because it was too high-pitched and um mm -hmm. i thought that the acting that she put into the voice as katarina was what was the most interesting to me because a lot of bratty little girl voices are just one note it's like really high-pitched and whining and they're bitching about something but katarina had levels and i think that allowed michelle to show her acting more which was very much appreciated um mm -hmm. And I'll talk about why I think she sounded more grown up than Arte when we talk about Arte, but it's only at certain points. And again, I'll get to it. Now let's talk about Yuri. <laughs> um, he is the reason why I hated the second half of this anime. Not the, not the dub voice, the character. Really? Okay. He took Arte away from Leo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was God. then... It was then yes. that I realized this son of a bitch anime was going to go through fucking arcs instead of letting everything just kind of progress, like naturally, as it should. No, we're going to get the Yuri arc. And instead of being on ice, it was like literally through the fucking Venetian river channel. Oh, my God. What is the name of the damn channels that the boats go through? Please help me. Oh, Canals. Um, uh, the canal. I, almost no, I was, I was just going to let you sink or swim there. <laughs> I was just going to let you sink or swim there, whatever hell happens. God yeah, damn it, yeah, Andrew. you were. That's fine. We'll get back to you in a moment, young man. <laughs> but let's talk about Yuri and how much I fucking hated him. He just took him, took Arte away from Leo, took Leo out of the anime for like five whole episodes. What was I supposed to do with myself? I'll save that for later on in the show. Um, so now that I know that he fucking played Polnareff, I'm even more upset with this because my one big note that I wrote was I either wanted to this to be more flamboyant or more mean. And it kind of like <laughs> it didn't have enough drama in it for me because in walks Yuri taking Arte away, you know, from the love of her life. So you wanted like, him either to be more asshole or more sassy than he actually was. More of a sassy bitch. More sassy or more of an asshole. And it kind of like towed the line between I'm a little bit sassy and I'm a little bit of a dick, but I'm not going to make the commitment to go one way or the other or be dramatic enough to be both. But Yuri is a character who fucking 
he takes Arte, he takes her away from her true goal in life, not just Leo, like her own fucking purpose. And I was just like, why is this not more dramatic? It's very feeling very dramatic for me as I'm watching this anime. And then when she got in like the little carriage or the little wagon, whatever the hell she got in, like with Yuri. And I was just like, this is it. This is it. It's all I cool. get. Um, so I think the lack of drama in the performance made me confused as to what this character was okay. supposed to be. And like as it goes on through the Yuri arc, which I didn't pay much attention to except when Yuri was there so I could make sure to figure him out because I hate him. He did get like the performance evened itself out to the point where I don't think he was supposed to be very dramatic or very mm-hmm. mean he was like a really good uncle to Katarina so then he was just like nice and I was like well then why were you mean and why were you so sassy you could have been the ladies man you could have been the Renjin Guji of this anime <laughs> to fucking Leo's to fucking Leo's calm you making me fight over who's my best boy but no Leo's this was it so th- so that's your patch so note. I'm really mad because Polnareff is like, oh my god, like we're watching it right now and we're not done with it yet, but Polnareff is like so fucking pol- polarizing. I hate Polnareff, by the way, too. Not because of his voice. <laughs> I hate the character. Just because of the character. Polnareff. The character. Okay, so there's an argument to be made that Polnareff has more to do with Stardust Crusaders than even Jotaro himself. Don't- don't spoil me because I'm only like we just we're at death thirteen right now. So okay, so you're yeah, not please, even you're not even please, at please Egypt. Don't sp- Got it. Yeah, no. please don't spoil it. I haven't even finished the Egypt arc yet, so please. Like don't. I'm a co- <laughs> I'm a Kakyoin girl, so really I, I can see really that. <laughs> I can <laughs> see you're a Kakyoin girl. Okay, I'm a co- I'm a Kakyoin girl. We all know that I'm really a Jonathan Joestar fan. I thought, all right, you're into Jonathan. Okay. She's one of the few peoples who prefers Jonathan as her favorite. That shocks me. First arc of JoJo is the best arc of JoJo. Fucking bite me. They will in the comments, I'm sure. God, you so strike me as a Joseph type. That's No, I thought his arc was No, I'm the Joseph girl. Too much shit went on. Jamal, why are you singing? Jonathan's just singing for like a solid minute. I what hear him. Doing? I thought he was providing very nice background music for my rant. About <laughs> fucking Polnareff. I was doing a cover of Jersey Girl in the background the entire time you talked about <laughs> I swear to God, I thought I thought you were gonna. I thought you were doing roundabout while we were talking about JoJo. That's what I thought. <laughs> no. That's funny. So oh yeah, like I really just uh, I was this performance made me so confused about this character and then i just ended up hating the character anyway even though he was a good guy at the end and i'm just like uh doug doug what are you doing to my heart doug (laughs) what is what is happening here you wanted him to either be like a bigger asshole or more of a heartthrob right but you didn't get that no I think it partially might have to do of a man. Oh, shit! Yes. Are, are you okay? What the fuck was that? Ooh! Oh, Jamal? 
There's a cockroach in my oh. oh! Oh no! Oh, oh my god! Oh no! Oh my god! I, I better move somewhere else right now. Yes, go. Let's take a pause. Time to go! Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Florida. <laughs> Fuck off, Andrew. <laughs> we should all live in Venice instead of Florida. Can we just randomly put use this as the Patreon clip, even though it would probably get cut from the episode? I don't know. <laughs> just there's just I don't know. We will see. Jamal, you, you okay? Everything good? Did you kill him? Hell no. <laughs> Oh, that, oh, that was... Oh, shit. I'm dying now. Okay. It's... <laughs> it's like the fire alarm. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that was... I'm sorry. That was good. Thank you. Okay. Whew. Are you okay for us to to kind of bring you back in, though, Jamal, or no? Yeah. If okay. I may make one so, more joke... Well, but, well, but I'll let you have a second. <laughs> if I make, may make one more bad joke, we now know oh, Jesus, Jamal does not want to do a Terraform Mars episode. <laughs> Andrew, shut up. Oh, anyway. Uh trying to bring it back in. Any other thoughts, Gigi, before I move on to another person? I got distracted. I'm alright. I'm sorry, Doug. <laughs> I really I just I wanted something different. It's not that you're bad, it's that I want too much. And you wanted you more Leo, that's what you wanted. <laughs> I mean, you're not fucking wrong. We'll talk about Leo later. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, can you give us your thoughts on the performances of Doug and Michelle? Okay, um, I will start with uh, Gigi's best worst boy, Yuri. Um, I'll say that <laughs> I actually thought Doug had a very interesting, like, classy regal to him. Where he very much sounded mm -hmm. like somebody who lived lived in wealth lived in like he was definitely like a higher class merchant for sure like you could definitely tell he lived that lifestyle and i feel like doug's portrayal of that really got across that he was he was a rich man he had the money he knew how to throw sorry Oh my god. Oh my god. He <laughs> I jumped in there with some fiddler on the roof. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, my dad. My dad is going to be so happy that dad. you dropped a fiddler reference in the middle. You that your dad's going to be so happy. You can thank your dad for making me watch Fiddler finally. For context, my dad has bonded a lot with Steph over their love of theater things, but when he found out that she hadn't seen Fiddler on the Roof, she came close to disowning this relationship until she watched Fiddler on the Roof with us. Yup. <laughs> but anyway, I had to do that. I'm sorry. It was uh, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, no, I think Doug has a very cool, like, suaveness to him. And I think was actually kind of carried itself well into the fact that Yuri, Yuri kind of has some tricks up his sleeve that he isn't quite ready to show off. He's not quite, like, diabolical, but he very clearly doesn't want to play all of his cards at once. He's very much somebody who wants to get his way, and he's at least got some backup plans if he doesn't get his way. 
Yep, if plan A doesn't work, he has like B, C, D, and E up his sleeve. Like He's not going to... He, he doesn't strike me as somebody who's going to outright extort anybody, nor is he going to use like blackmail mm -hmm. or something like that. He's not a bad dude. He's just willing to play at least a little bit dirty just to get a little bit of what he wants. Because he's kind of like that. Yep. He would totally probably fuck Sophia, though, and steal, steal him from his brother. Like, I am now headcanoning. Oh. That is now my headcanon, is that he is not above <laughs> adultery. <clears throat> to be fair, Sophia is very well known in Venice for her beauty, so I'm not... Like, anybody would probably want to jump Sophia's bones. Fair. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, no, I feel like Doug has, like, the right amount of, like, he's a little bit of, of a classy, suave guy. He's a little bit of a troll when he needs to be, but he also is genuinely, like, sweet and sincere. And I actually kind of like the moments where he's baking with Sophia. No, no not Sophia. Uh, mm -hmm. Where he's Katarina. with Katarina. Yes. Where he's actually, like, cooking with Katarina as the sous chef. And she's kind of chastising him a little. It's like, Uncle, you, what's, what are you doing? You need to put a little more effort into it. It's like, right, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's like, wait, you're serving? Yeah, her rule is that you have to work for your food. It's like, ah, I like the idea that this precious little child is forcing Yuri to do. Because that's the thing, is that he's basically like a slave to Katarina. Because he loves Katarina that mm -hmm. much that he's willing to, like, embarrass himself for her. But also... He's basically the fun he's uncle. He's the fun uncle. He's totally the fun uncle. He's the uncle that will have no shame taking you to an anime convention. Yeah, probably. Okay, I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyways, I actually really like Doug. What I really wanted to go into is Michelle Marie as Katarina. I mm -hmm. have heard Michelle in a couple of things. And she sounds vastly different in the several things I've heard her. I have heard her play one of the murder lollies in Sword Art Online Alicization. I have heard her play Toki as the best girl in Kimono Friends. I don't fucking care. Toki is the best girl. She's adorable. She's singing her heart out terribly, but God, she's living her dream. But she sounds so much more quiet and composed as Toki. And Toki's adorable, and she is the best Kimono Friends girl. Uh, but yeah, no, I've heard her. <laughs> we get it. We get it. You love Toki. <laughs> we get it. You very much love Toki. Any chance you get to talk about your love of Toki from Kimono Friends? Look, you take look, everybody's it. Can you talk everybody's about Everybody's got Katarina? their best Kimono Friends. I take my shot. Anyways, what I really want to say is she has a lot of versatility as Katarina. She, is, she mm. can play that regal sweetheart that's trying to get her way either when she's faking it or when she's trying to be sincere and pleading to her father to forgive Arte. But she can also be a little bit of a snooty brat hole. And I think she does a great job of riding that line of like being a little bratty, but also being a little bit like emotionally stunted because yeah, Mm -hmm. When you're living with another family for, like, your entire life and are suddenly brought back home because the person who cared for you died and now you have somebody who is your actual mother and your actual father who you've never met or even seen once and now they're just your family now. But nobody pays attention mm -hmm. to you, so you act out and you're rude because you want attention, but you also don't know how to handle the new feelings of a new family. 
I think Michelle really has a lot of complexity. And I think as Gigi says, she has a really like mature aura to her, but is also very childish and bratty. I love when she's kind of like has like that dark eyed moment where she's going into her past and like you can tell she's a little more cold and stunted about it. Like, I think Michelle yeah. brings a whole lot of layers to this performance and I think she really made me so very endeared to Katarina. She's so sweet, but she's so charming and cute when she really opens up. She's bratty and rude. But she's also really interesting and complex. And my god, like, I'd say, like, outside of, like, the the main two, Katarina, like, Michelle Marie as Katarina is, like, my favorite performance in Arte outside okay. of the main two. Gotcha. I think she really, really made that role her own and really impressed the hell out of me. Nice. Um, Jamal, would you like to go next? Uh, yeah. Uh, I like the fact you made the point of F joke, but every time I see, every time I hear Doug Erholtz as this character, I think TK from Digimon Adventure 2. <laughs> like, like, oh it, God, he did that too. like, he literally looks like a grown-up version of him, not even kidding you. <laughs> Different character designs, but yes, I can see it, actually. Yeah, so when I hear him play Shuri, you realize... He, I hear he has this kind of cunning to him. It's like you know, mm -hmm. he's just kind of be a bashful kind of guy. Yeah, you may come off like sound a little bit evil, but you know, he's just being a bashful, play a uh, sort of playful kind of guy. And then I remembered, oh yeah, he's Hasma from Blaze Blue, and that's kind of the same character except Hasma from Blaze Blue is an evil douchebag who kind of corrupts both sides. Of the anyway, that's that's not a story for this episode. Uh. <laughs> it was interesting to hear Doug as this character, like, the, the lens the character has to go at times. That's kind of pretty neat, and yeah, he is like, he is like the fun uncle who would not be ashamed to take you to a convention. No, like, 100%. I, I, like, Yuri would 100% take Katarina to a convention if that was accessible. Like, he, he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh... He would totally take and, selfies with all, like, the cat girls. <laughs> anyway uh, speaking of animal girls it's nice hearing Michelle Marie from <laughs> it's been a while since Kimono Friends I know she's done other stuff since then no yeah but... it's been a while since we talked about her in Kimono Friends yeah but the voice she gives off Academy is very neat cause like Chi said yeah she sounds older than the characters they might be mm-hmm but you know that's because when you understand when you go into a past, you understand why it kind of makes sense, you know. Like, and as as few as people have pointed out, you know, she was born into nobility, but is really kind of sick of it. So you know, it's just something that kind of stuck with her after a while to to the point where like she essentially kind of despises her parents, but she kind of at least grows close with one of them. The other can go fuck himself. <laughs> But, yeah, Dad can go fuck himself. But, but yeah, it was a it was a very it was very deep take on Bad Little Girls. Again, it's a voice I have not heard in a while. But this mm -hmm. this is the kind of thing that seems to come to Michelle very naturally, if you can believe it. Like mm -hmm. I, like if I I think that is her actual voice. Like I I got I gotta see if I can find an interview or something. But I think that is her actual voice. Yeah. I would believe it. I mean, especially because... I can believe um, it's her actual voice, maybe. Chihiro, Chihiro... 
maybe only slightly. I think Chihiro from Glepnir might be at least a tiny bit closer. Um, but it's pretty close to the same tone as Katarina, though. Yeah, so I thought she did very well. I thought they, I thought they both did very well. I don't really have much more to say. It's just okay. I probably rather quick with this because everybody basically said <laughs> the majority of my thoughts. I'm actually I'll start with um, Michelle Marie's Katarina. Um, Katarina is very precocious. She has this attitude about her that's very spunky and has this energy about her. But at the same time, she can also contain it. It's not like outward, like huge, huge bratty child energy. It's a bit more contained, but she has fun with it. Katarina knows her situation. She understands the, the place that she is in her station as a child of nobility. But she's also acting out because for the first six years of her life, she wasn't even in that household. Um, and it doesn't help that her dad could pretty much care less about her because she's not a son. So that's, side note, that's why we say fuck you, dad. Um, <laughs> um, but I think Michelle, Katarina, I think, has one of the more complex arcs in the whole show, aside from Arte and Leo. Um, as one of the secondary characters, and especially for as a major character for this arc in particular, Katarina has uh, much more of a character through line and arc for her story. And I think um, Michelle does fantastic with it. Uh, not only bringing the attitude and the precocious um, troublemaker child, but also those those underlying insecurities and how she's been internalizing everything um, ever since she got she was brought back to the house. Um, I think Michelle Marie is wonderful, and I mean for me because I finished Glepnir recently, going between going between Arte and from Glepnir to back to Arte, um, and Michelle's performance it, it it's very it's it is pretty similar in tone it's, i would just think the only difference is is chihiro is is a teenager character and she's a little bit older so she sounds a bit more mature sounding however chihiro is a bit more reserved and shy compared to katarina here <laughs> but um katarina is definitely a really really fun performance the reason why i joke that this is that uh, about the whole jean-pierre paul riff thing with dugger holtz is yuri is because this is essentially the such an almost one for one tone wise to Jean Pierre Paul. The only difference is he's Italian instead of French. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the difference. Um, and <laughs> the second, okay, when I first watched the show, Andrew and I we'd watch Arte together when it was going, and the first the first time I watched here I come on screen, I'm like, <laughs> instant response, Jean Pierre Paul. <laughs> Because uh, this is this is this is a very very almost one for one. This is Jean Pierre Polnareff, just Italian, not French. But I think at the same time, because for, again, I'm not done Stardust Crusaders. Um, this is more because JoJo can be very out there and kind of absurdist at, at times. This is a much more subdued um, tone for Doug, and I think. Personally, I think it actually works very well. Um, I can see Gigi's issue of not deciding like what end of the spectrum Yuri as a Yuri is and where to take it. Um, and I, I 100% can see that and that being an issue. But for what the character is, he's very he's charismatic. He's very charming. He does have that regal noble air to him. But 
Gigi, you are you are right. Like I don't know if he sometimes wants to be a complete another dick or he just wants to be sassy as fuck. Um, and he he walks that he walks kind of that fine line, and it never kind of crosses in or in one area or the other. Um, which which is fine. I don't mind that at all. But I can see that why you are why you might have an issue with that a little bit. Um, because when Yuri is sassy, I actually really liked it when Yuri was very sassy. <laughs> yes, that was good. Like, I wanted I more of that. I love sassy Yuri. I love sassy Yuri because he's just very charismatic and just carefree. But I I will admit, I am, I did like those moments where he had to get that serious tone across. Um, for instance, uh, when Arte overworked herself to the, to the point where she just passes out and um, Yuri talks to her about it and he's like, you are not to keep working at the pace that you're going at and this is an order from your employer. I like, I really kind of understood that because it's one of those things where it's like, personality wise, I can be the same thing. I like being out there and fun and a goofball, but people who know me very well know that when I can get, when I'm serious or stern or upset, it actually means something. So I think I can connect with that kind, with that side of Yuri's character, actually, from a personal standpoint, and I can see how that works. But I love sassy Yuri, too. <laughs> sassy Yuri's such a fun time, and I do wish it had a little bit more. Um, but I think that's more an issue of the character, uh, uh, the character of Yuri and not Doug, honestly. Um... But no, I did like both of these performances quite a bit. Um, and Katarina, I think, is up there as one of my favorites. Not my absolute favorite in terms of in terms of secondary characters. I don't think my absolute favorite. Um, but she's up there. Uh, are we ready to move on to our next set of yes. characters? Yes. yes. We are making some good time right now, guys. Um, but when we get to our main two, whether or not we put them together or keep them separate, that's to be determined. Our next two characters, um, we're going to go back to Florence because our next couple of pairs of characters are are um, more prevalent uh, when Arte is in Florence. We're going to talk about Maestro Ubertino and Dacia. So Ubertino, he's in he's um, a very well-known merchant in Florence. He's this big head honcho kind of deal, crotch the old man, basically. <laughs> um and when we first are introduced to Ubertino, he has commissioned Leo and his workshop to create a new piece that is so stupidly extravagant, but the payment for it does not equate what it calls for. So um, Arte goes to this whole thing where she tries to negotiate um, a more reasonable price for the painting he's requested. Um, but we also know, we also learn that Ubertino actually used to be really close friends with um, Leo's former master and uh his master had asked ubertino on his deathbed to keep it to watch over leo for him dacia first of all she pops up out they of nowhere skipped her uh, fucking <laughs> arc. yeah like there is right they they had to have in like, the manga because there is a manga that this is based off of they had to have like she must have just straight up had an arc that they just completely skipped mm -hmm. over because i was no 100%. i i legit when i first watched it i'm like did did, Steph, did we miss an episode? Did, did we miss an episode? Oh, yeah. No, she's just there. Yeah. There had to have been an introduction to her. She's just there. Um, so Dacia, she is a seamstress, and um, 
in the anime, what we know from Dacia in the anime, she's a friend of Arte's, um, and Arte's actually tutoring Dacia um, on reading and writing. So that's the that's the basis of the character. There's uh, again, there's probably more to it, and I would assume that a arc in the manga or something got skipped. Like, there's absolutely this, something sad, there. I do like it's Dacia. just, it's so weird. It's so strange. Yep. yep. Uh, in terms of the voices of these two characters, as Dacia, we have our ADR director, uh, Marissa Lenti, who has voiced characters such as Alicia Florence in Aria the Animation and all of its sequels, uh, Chiaki Hoshinomori in Gamers, and Olivier, oh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, this last name, Olivier Van, Van der Berme. Van der Berme? Van der Berme? Something like that from No Gun's Life. I'm awful. I, uh, they normally refer to her by her first name. Oh, Olivier like, oh, is great. Speaking to, jo Speaking to JoJo's. Olivier, Olivier is great. Um, as for Maestro Ubertino, Ubertino, I can speak. Uh, Michael Sorek, who has voiced other characters such as Jogo in Jujutsu Kaisen, Dimple in Mob Psycho 100, and just for you, Gigi, uh, Melvin the Magnificent in Unico in the Island of Magic. I knew I knew his name, and I just couldn't I figured, remember it. I figured to help you out. I was like, I saw the Unico one. I'm like, I have to put that in there for Gigi. Everyone, she go, will love it. Go listen to the Anime Nostalgia podcast. There's your plug. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, let's start with uh, let's start with Andrew. What are your thoughts on these performances? Uh, okay, I'll start off with uh, Darcia. Uh, Marissa Lenti does a great job sounding like an adorable, horny disaster child. And she... <laughs> oh, It's not that she's a disaster horny child. She just doesn't understand men. And she she's very shy and reserved. It's not that she's a horny child. She's just very shy and reserved. That's it. See, maybe, but at this point... No, maybe. I don't... Re yes. There's really not enough to work off of with Darcha, so at this point, without having manga context, I'm just I'm just making my own headcanon at this point. That's fair. Again, we don't have a lot of information about her character. You're right. It's so strange. You can only assume right now. It's so strange. Like, could you have not given at least like one episode to at least, or like half an episode even? It's just, it's so strange that she just shows up. And we, we, I mean, we get ac we get actual episodes for the characters of like Ubertino, and Ubertino. then we have Veronica and Angelo next too. Like everybody else in the core friend them. group is like has an episode introduction, and hers is just completely dropped. It's so strange. Yeah, Marissa does a great. Strange and kind of upsetting. It, I I think it's strange in the bad way, not in a oh that's weird. I'm like no, that's actually kind of a problem with it's the upsetting. structure and adaptation of this show. That being said, yes. Marissa does a good job playing Darcia, and I love her little shy, panic screams. I... <laughs> I really like Michael Sorek as tough love, soon dare Grandpa Dimple. I adore it. An unbreakable boy. <laughs> God damn it. No, I, I like, because he, he's basically a crotchety old fart. He is literally like... <laughs> He is exactly, he is the best and worst type of commissioner. 
He is the type that doesn't really <laughs> give a shit about what he's getting, but he has the wealth and he wants to make sure people know it. But he's also the type to mm -hmm. make extremely unreasonable, unfair requests. He doesn't yes. seem like the type that's going to, like, be... He's not going to, like, bug you every, like, 12 hours or so, being like, Hey, how's it going? Is it done? Is it almost done? Can you have it done in two days? You wanted, like, how many subjects on this and you want it done in two days? He's not that level of commissioner. He's just a guy who wants some really classy art, and he wants to use it mm -hmm. to threaten people. Yeah, kind of two points with um, Uruk Dino's character. Um, one, basically, you just brought up. It kind of brings in the point of... Um, not everyone's, like, an art lover for the reasons that you assume it would be. And Ubertino is, an, a, a fun, is a really good example of a different kind of person who buys and procures art. Um, the other thing... It's strictly business Arte literally describes Ubertino's relationship to Leo as, as Leo's grumpy grandpa or something. It's great. Oh god, yeah, and my and Michael Zorik really gets across like that old, like that old, tired, kinda doesn't have time for this, but shows his heart mm -hmm. a little more than he lets on. Like, I like the fact that like he's a little crotchety, but when like Arte mm -hmm. actually tries and like does a hardcore negotiation with him, he's not even like resisting. He's just like, <laughs> okay, all right, fine, give me that contract. You better make this good, though. So he's at least reasonable. He's not, like, he's not an unreasonable person. He can be reasoned right. with. You just gotta tickle his, his funny bone a little bit. And I love the fact he's that just he... He's a pain in the ass. I love he's the fact the that he is just a straight-up, like, tough-love asshole grandpa. It's like, motherfucker, yes. how much money do you have? You're dressing like a fucking pauper. You're fasting on Fridays. Eat some fucking meat, why don't you, you fucking brat. Oi. <laughs> Oi, babe. I like Michael. Oh, shit. Okay, um, I'll jump in, because I'll probably be rather quick, because you kind of already brought in a couple points that I wanted to make. Uh, Marissa as Dacia. Uh, <laughs> aside from how this character pops out of nowhere, and I'm sad that we don't actually get an origin as to where this character came from. Very sad. Um, <laughs> Marissa's very adorable as this character. Um, Dacia, how I would describe it, instead of a horny child borderlining i would describe it more as um more shy and reserved and she probably has led a somewhat sheltered life and i'm assuming does not have brothers because she does not know how to handle a guy touching her hand <laughs> or shaking her hand she doesn't know how to handle that so she gets very shy and very reserved she's like ah! she kind of panics it's very cute it's very adorable um wasn't there something, Andrew, wasn't there a conversation you might have had with Marissa about how, like, she got excited to play a seamstress? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, because she's actually done, like, some cosplay in the past that she appreciated the fact yeah. that, like, oh. Yeah, like, costume work, yeah. She's done Digimon so, cosplays. I don't remember which one's offhand. Uh, she could probably tell us in the comments or something, but she said she's done Digimon cosplay, probably. so that's a thing. So yeah, kind of coming back to a little little seamstress character is probably adorable and fun nostalgia for her. 
Um, but no, I th Marissa's very cute. She's very adorable. I just wish we understood f fucking Dacia's deal. Because uh, <laughs> this character comes out of nowhere. Um, but that's more on the fault of the anime itself. Uh, Rupertino. <laughs> Michael Sorek. Um... He reminds he, this is this is the show's old man who yells at clouds kind of deal <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, similar to uh, Dave Matronga's character when we talked about uh, Millionaire Detective. Um, and I really, really love it. Uh, Michael Sorg is always a fun little gruff presence, older presence because I mean, I really love him for example as Dimple in Mob Psycho 100 it's just so fun um, but Dimple this is not because Dimple is an asshole and can be very sarcastic um, Ubertino just he knows what he wants he, 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 he knows what he wants he's knowledgeable in his field because again, he's a merchant so he um, will go on about like I know what the market price of paints are it, it is da 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 why should I give you more money that makes no sense that kind of thing so he's very very hard he's but he's knowledgeable in what he wants and how he's going to get it based on what he knows about um uh the market and all this fun stuff and it's very interesting to see that um but like Andrew was saying, he does soften up a bit more, especially when Arte goes in for negotiations the second time around, and he kind of just relaxes a little bit more, and you, he loses that facade a little bit. But then you get grumpy old grandpa, <laughs> Ubertino, who just basically is like, but what? Why you no eating on Fridays, boy? I know you're fasting. <laughs> Unbreakable butt! It's so funny. Like, his, his and Leo's dynamic is very, very, very much an old man like being very strict on his child essentially and it's it's a fun dynamic to see and um both michael and leo's voice actor play off of each other with that so well it's great um no but yeah i do like both of these performances but again dacia we need more context for her character show what the fuck um let's see jamal what are your thoughts on these performances uh, Dacia, uh, of course, she doesn't get to do too much in the show because we don't get to know too much about her. Right. I really like how, what Marissa brought to the table because, you know, she's an Italian seamstress. Dacia's an Italian seamstress. It's all very simpatico. But, uh, not really much I can say. Uh, my only tiny little nitpick is, like, when she kind of says certain names like Veronica, but I think that's because, you know, Italian has roots in Latin, so I can kind of forgive that. Mm -hmm. But other than that, she did a very good job, and, uh, Michael Sorek is Ubertino, man, this is one grumpy motherfucker. But well, we love him, though. The fact, man who yells at the fact that he, The fact that his living room is a whole lot of art, and he doesn't really care for art himself, it's like being a... Sneakerhead, you already give a fuck about sneakers. I also appreciate <laughs> the fact that they describe that his own personal quarters are, are described as Spartan. No, yeah, his study because he has he has this drawing room drawing room waiting room that has so much art on the walls. Majority of it being um, commissioned by Leo's former master, um, and then he has a study where all it is is just like rock walls and then like a desk and a chair that's it <laughs> so i guess pretty much the two rooms he has in the house you could describe one as classy and the other as spartan yes oh my god 
You oh, s- fuck. <laughs> you set yourself up for that one, buddy. God damn it. I quit. <laughs> I quit. Oh, shit. Anyway. But, but yeah, the fact that he has all this stuff, he says he uses it as a bargaining chip to prove how powerful he is and he, how powerful he can be. Mm-hmm. But yet, at times when you see him and Leo kind of butting heads with each other, like, Leo knows he's not going to take no for an answer from him because he knew, he knew his previous master well. So, it's it, you kind of realize it, yeah, like they have like this kind of dynamic relationship that's kind of only spoken through, not in emotion, but in kind of a different way, like in only ways certain types of people can understand, if you, you get what I'm saying. Yep. You know, you know, kind of like the cigarette scene at the end of uh, Great Pretender, but Andrew, you know what I'm talking about. Hmm? You know the the cigarette kiss in Great Pretender? No, 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 no. There was no, no cigarette that- kiss in Great Pretender. That's what I wanted to happen with with Makoto and Abby. No, you're thinking Black Lagoon. And anyway, you know what? Just because anyway. Gigi's here, there was also an episode one cigarette kiss in... Uh, Oh my god, Gigi, help me. What's the fucking weird-ass rap anime? I'm blanking on it. Hypnosis microphone. Yes, there was a fucking edgy bad boy, like, cigarette kiss in Hypnosis Mike, and I laughed my ass off. Episode this... one, baby. That's this how is you... all going over my head. Anyway, you, if you have two lit cigarettes and you... Li- no, if you have one lit cigarette and you light a cigarette off of the lit cigarette and your faces are right next to each other, you might as well be fucking. That's how anime language works. Okay. The point anyway. I'm trying to make... The point I'm trying to make is, dude, they have, like, some type of non-verbal communication with each other that... Wait, are you, you know, implying you know, that Leo and Uber T know? <laughs> no, not that type of relationship, Jesus. God, that's what I thought you meant when you I'm were talking about. Cigarettes. I'm talking about a non-verbal communication, you know, that... Pretty much they know what each other saying without actually saying. Yes. Okay. See, that... That checks out. I thought you were... That, was, that, that cigarette kiss was probably just the closest similarity that Jamal could pick on right now. See, when, um, see I thought I, you, I get what you're saying, though, Jamal. I think you got the different interpretation of what I meant when I said the phrase Spartan. Yeah, his room was bare. I know. Look, there was a, there was a lot of butt stuff going on in the Spartan army. Anyway! Anything <laughs> else, Jamal? <laughs> I think Michael Sorgas is this crotchety old guy who, despite having a grouchy attitude, is very compassionate on the inside. That's all we have to say. Gigi, your thoughts on these performances? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you cut out. I couldn't hear. Okay, um, no. uh, Your thoughts on these performances, Gigi? Oh, I'm thinking about hypnosis microphone now. Gigi, are you thinking about hypnosis microphone? Oh, I'm thinking about hypnosis microphone and the dirty dog. Andrew, you're the one who started this. You're the one who brought up hypno mic to begin with, so that's your fault. I know, I was trying to make a Hellshake Yano joke. Jesus Christ. Uh, Your thoughts on um, Michael and Marissa's performances? 
Hey, Sound Cadence, I got a dub for you. Hypnosis. All right. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. So, I mean, uh, they've proven they can do musical type shows like actors. So Look, that's what I'm saying. What all I'm anyway. saying. That's all I'm saying is David Wald plays the doctor for Mata and Bro. Okay. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I'll, you don't even have to pay me for that one. Okay. So U- Ubertino, my only one note I had was thanks, angry grandpa. But now that I remember and that you just said that he's fucking Melvin the Magnificat from Unico on the Island of Magic. Yep. I will say this is the second actor in this series where all I was expecting was an East Coast Boston slash New Jersey accent. And I didn't get one. <laughs> He's got a, he's got a very a New Jersey energy to him. I can see that. <laughs> Why do I have a feeling I know who's the first one then? <laughs> oh, probably. He's got a Sopranos I... energy to him. Yeah. You <laughs> ever seen a unicorn on the Island of Magic? Ooh, that cat no. is that cat is a Soprano. He is a mean, mean cat. <laughs> he is an angry cat. If you would like to talk more about Unicorn on the Island of Magic, hit up the episode that I guest started in the Anime Nostalgia Podcast where we talk about it for like two hours longer than the movie <laughs> all right that yeah that was it was good thanks angry grandpa now just <laughs> thinking about melvin and he got the tweeter and the woofa the woofa and the tweeter <laughs> only two people will understand that reference and I'm nobody say, on this podcast it's fine again like i said when i saw the unico credit i'm like Gigi would appreciate this i do thank you thank you for thinking of your girl who only watches stuff for work you're welcome i love you boo love you too all right let's talk about darcha um so again like i was just saying i don't watch a lot of anime anymore unless it's like something for work or has a lot of boys in it so my knowledge of marissa lenti as an actress an actor mostly um, is her doing an animal voice <laughs> or um, her playing a really sexy lady. And this was neither one. So it was kind of like refreshing to hear her talk in like a cutesy anime girl voice because I don't normally hear that in the roles that I listen to her in. So I thought that was really cool. Also, Darcha is like the most anime character out of this whole show. Yeah. Like yeah. she's all like blushy cheeks and like cuteness and i was like oh that's that's the anime part of this anime i see how it works if this was set in like a modern day japanese high school she would have swirly glasses yep Gigi, you you did gamers with us right i think it was ladies night right yeah but i really don't remember it to be quite honest with you oh god chiaki was a disaster she was so good i only i never finished it yeah, I only, I never finished it. I do remember. I, I think it, we only did impressions at the time. I think I can't remember. Yeah, because um, we didn't finish. She it. was the, she was the blue-haired girl, short hair, who was kind of ner- like a secret nerd kind of. Yeah, deal. the cool one. She was the cool one. The, the cool one, that, one that we all loved. The yeah. cool one we all loved. Yes. Um But yeah, I think this is actually pretty similar in terms of tone. I think to um, Dacia. Yeah, that was that was like years ago. <laughs> quite literally but point still stands i know (laughs) so yeah so like i said it was nice for me here to hear today in this day of our lord 2021 (laughs) we skipped 2020 it's fine nobody cares about 2020 anymore that's old news um (laughs) again to not be an animal or a very sexy lady she does both animals and very sexy ladies very well trust me her performance in the city hunter movie was you know what i'm saying Uh, yep but uh, okay. I must say, Olivier in No Guns Life, yes. 
Just no, say it. <laughs> I really liked it. It was really cute and like the most anime to have ever animated Arte character. Yep. I liked it. Let's okay. move on. Are we Oh, we're not there yet. Damn it. <laughs> I was no, ready we, to go. We have two more characters before we get to your boy, all right? Okay, you let's go. All right. <laughs> uh Somebody got that joke. I heard it in the I back. did. Give us a second. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay, good. Oh, God. I, uh, I quit. <laughs> um, no, I can't. I have to finish hosting. <laughs> and then I can take a break for a while until shit is figured out. Anyway, our next duo. Um, they kind of come up more in the early episodes. Excuse me. Um, we have... God, I either have hiccups or burps going on. What the fuck is happening? Oh. <sighs> Give me a second. It's all right, Yug. Let me get out my pot of greed. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Let's do this. Fuck. Let her do the segue first. Oh, God damn it. Now I understand what you subtly said before in Angela yep. that I missed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. We're gonna. <laughs> I can't even segue. I can't even think of a clever segue for this. And at this point, this shit's probably not gonna get cut. So we're gonna be talking about my burps. Hooray! Angelo and Veronica. <laughs> Angelo and Veronica. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god. Whew. All right, Angelo and Veronica. Um. They get introduced very early on in the show, especially Angelo in particular. Angelo is another apprentice um, under another ma um, master painter, Danilo, Danilo um, that Arte meets in the second episode. Um, he's very sweet. He's very caring. He's he's basically he's basically a commoner, uh, uh, like a a commoner's um, chival chivalrous person because he will help any girl he sees if something goes on he cares about women very he would probably treat he would probably treat whatever girl he got as a fucking queen he has a you know he has like a texas size big gulp of respect women juice yes dude this dude is literally my boyfriend god bless him god bless and it's because he has five sisters <laughs> Angelo is a sweetheart. He respects women. He would treat any girl if he had a, a significant other as a goddamn princess. <laughs> and that's exactly what we need in our lives. Um, Veronica, she is a well-known courtesan in Florence. Um, and she's just very well-educated, very knowledgeable, and she's a hard worker in the field that she has put herself into. And um, it's briefly mentioned as a side that um she also helps take care of her mother and i think her younger brother and sister as well um so she is the breadwinner she is kick-ass lady independent all that fun stuff all right as i try not to keep having these burps great the reason why the Yu-Gi-Oh jokes came up god damn it all right, 
Veronica is voiced by Erica Schroeder. Angelo is voiced by Wayne Grayson. New uh, York is... Four Kids represent! Hell yeah! Uh, Erica Schroeder, you would know her as characters such as Toriko Kisei in Oko's Inn and Bridget Verdon in Tokyo Mew Mew. Meanwhile, Wayne Grayson, you would know as characters such as Akira Hattori in Bakuman and Benny Tora in Samurai Deeper Kyo. But for most of us kids in the late 90s, you would also know them respectively as My Valentine and Joey Wheeler from Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel oh, Monsters. Oh, wait a minute. Shut up. She was My Valentine 3. Oh, right. After right. She was, was My was Valentine. She the, like, uh, was she the first or the second My? I know there, there was a... There um, was, okay. I don't think it says. Give me a second. I'm my not going to check. But no, I have it open. Ship. It's going to take me a second. Did um, you do this on purpose? Did you cast this on purpose, unknowingly <laughs> knowing that this was my ship? My Yu-Gi-Oh ship. Okay, she's the second my Valentine. Okay. So, okay, she's actually the one that, like, gets all the good, like... Joey seeds actually. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh my god, I am, I am, no, I'm crying, y'all. You would also know her, uh, ironically enough, as the voice of Dark Magician Girl as well. <laughs> That's not oh, my shit. Red! Oh my. So yes, <laughs> New York represent. We have some Yu-Gi-Oh in the house. Um, let's uh, fuck all it. All right, who's gonna who's gonna throw down the first face down? I mean, uh, what you like I mean, to rephrase that? Uh, no. <laughs> who 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 was who was wanting to throw down their pot of greed earlier? Was it Jamal? Or no, was that was me. Else? Oh, that was Gigi. Gigi, do you want to throw your pot of green down? I'll throw just... my pot of green, my blue eyes white dragon. You know, <laughs> Joey Wheeler in the house. Joey Wheeler. Joey Wheeler. God, I fucking <laughs> love Joey Wheeler. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Oh my god. His face I'm is a fucking I'm piece I'm of art. I'm sorry. I'm getting flashbacks now, Gigi, to when we talked about yeah. the Yu-Gi-Oh movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shall we we? I... All right, Gigi, you say your thing <sighs> first, and then I have a thought I want to I want to propose to the group. Oh well, no. Well, now that I'm in my ship land, talk about Andrew's Arte headcanon. My fucking Yu-Gi-Oh headcanon has just emerged from a corner. I didn't know that it was still there. Are you are you a Mayan Joey shipper? I just said that, yeah. I missed that. I'm sorry. I am also a Joey and Maya shipper. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm a little flip-clamped. Alright. Um... <laughs> I was drinking my water. <laughs> At least anyway. juice. So, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so, Steph, anyway. Steph posted the cast list in the chat before I started watching this. And I was like, holy fucking shit, Wayne Grayson. You've got to be joking. If this bitch yep. comes out with a Boston accent, I'm going to fucking lose it. Um, <laughs> and then he didn't. Angelo didn't have one. And this is the yes. part where I started like getting very, like, taken aback by these dub actors because i was like mm -hmm. y'all y'all know me if i know an actor from one thing it's i mean it's gonna be one thing that i know an actor for unless your name is david wald okay so right. i know him from too many things or ian sinclair it, i'm getting basically if it, if it basically if it's that one main role that just sticks out it ends up being a like a general type essentially it, exactly like that's what i'm gonna know him for and angelo like oh man this boy's so soft yeah. He's so, he's so cute. Precious. 
like the performance oh, really oh, caught me off guard because you know Joey Wheeler. I'm gonna throw out my blue eyes oh, yeah. white dragon. I'm talking like Joey Wheeler is like in hypnosis well, microphone right eyes. now. He had the red eyes. He had the red eyes. Sorry, dragon, not the blue I eyes. like Seto Kaiba. I'm a Kaiba girl. Kaiba and Kakyoin. Man, okay, no, no. Gigi, you being a Seto Kaiba girl makes the most sense that has ever made sense. <laughs> Did you not listen to when we talked about the Yu-Gi-Oh movie a couple years back, babe? I didn't, I didn't actually watch that episode yet because I want to see the movie. Because I'm pretty like, sure that she went into a Seto Kaiba gush rant during that as well, if I remember right. It's probably yeah, I correct. So. Probably but, did. But Joey is my favorite good guy. And I was like, wow, Angela is mm-hmm. a really good guy. I was like, what is happening here? This was really <laughs> good, Wayne Grayson. I didn't know that could come out of you. I am shocked mm-hmm. and awed. So thank you for for making my day and and not talking like this to get in the cars. All right. Um, got to get in the car, drive down to Harvard, yeah. Exactly. Uh, this is what happens when living near Boston for five years is done to me. Goddamn. Uh, Veronica, Erica Schroeder, okay, uh, full stop. She's my favorite female performance in the show. Um, mm, okay. I really liked this, um, and I totally, actually, you know what? I don't think I've gotten up to the point in Yu-Gi-Oh! where she plays my Valentine, because I stopped at the Dragons. Because they were born. I, I think that's when she comes played... in is waking the dragons. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the first person who played her was Megan Hollinshead. Yeah, I don't. Go I don't remember. That. But um, I really like this performance. Like, you can hear the sort of levels in her voice and in her tone in the performance between the courtesan part of her, between the independent woman part of her. Um, she's got no shame in her game, mm-hmm. and she's no nonsense. And yes. that's really good. And she does it all while being super flirty. And I'm like, girl, you that performance is what I aspire to be as a woman. Like, no no shame in my game. No nonsense. But please, sir, if you have a dime, I would like your red-eyed dragon. That <laughs> just sounded really bad now that I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, it did. did a little bit. Cool. Gigi, you pulled a me. That was yep. a me move. That was an Andrew type move. Oh yep. shit! Well, anyway, I'm so this proud is my of you. <laughs> this is my favorite performance. Is the female? I really liked it. I liked her a lot. <laughs> She's just dying, right? Now. It sounded really well acted. God damn it! I really want her to wa- to be in more things that I watch. God damn it. I liked this a lot. Thank you, Erica Schroeder, for blessing us with your presence and for reminding me of the ship that time had lost. (laughs) I'm going to go in the corner now. Come get me when the next segment starts because I got to go find my umbrella. Your poncho too? No, look, that joke has died. That ship has sailed. Everyone just fuck goodbye. <laughs> oh my god! Fuck! Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> Andrew, can you give us your thoughts on these performances, please? Okay, sure. Uh, oh, Wayne shit. Grayson as uh, Angelo 
I forgot his name for a second. He's Antelope. a very good... He's a very good vanilla bean. Yes. That's what he's very much. He is the sweet old good little boy drinks his Texas respect women juice big gulp. Yes. Drinks that just, just a good boy. He's got five sisters. Like, I think it's also kind of interesting, like, seeing... Because like, he is basically full-on, like, chivalry must help any woman I see in dire need. Yes. So I think it kind of, like, rocked his entire world to see Arte really be full-on, like, independent, like, hard-working, like, physical labor, like, pushing herself to a limit more than, mm -hmm. like, most of the men in his life have ever pushed themselves before. So it kind of rocked his entire world, but he was like, yo, that's really cool. You're really cool. I want to get to know you. You're a cool girl. And I think Wayne does a good job making him sound very casual, very sweet, kind of a little charming, but also a little dumb and dense too. But I, I think I think Wayne neighbor. I think Wayne does a really good job getting that across and like he makes him very fun, very sweet, very a little silly too. He's a good dude and God, yeah, no, as soon as I saw it, it was fucking Wayne Grayson in this, I, I flipped my shit. I was like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. Now, Erica Schroeder as uh, Veronica. Holy shit, Veronica's a really interesting character. Yeah. She's got, she's basically like, hey, it's adorable watching this little girl find her, like, first crush. Ain't that sweet. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna show you why you should never love. Yeah. I'm gonna sh yeah, it's like, oh, I'm you're gonna sweet. Shut this down. You're cute. I like you, kid. You're fun. Here, I'm gonna take you to this dark alley where this girl I knew fell in love and basically became a back alley whore. This is what yeah. love does. Yep. It destroys you. That hurt me. Oh yeah. I was like, holy shit, she's not fucking around. And oh. also, you see, like, she is kind of, like, playing with people and playing the whole hard-to-get thing, which yep. you can tell Arte did not agree with that, and she made it very clear where it's like, I really don't think that's cool to do that to people. But on the other end of it, she... This is 16th century Florence, Italy, where women are laugh mocked and ridiculed for trying to be self-serving and independent and mm -hmm. she has all the fucking power and cards in the world with all the powerful self-serving men who really want her time attention love and probably body too she holds yep. all of the cards and she is more than happy to hold every card in her deck and erica sells every bit of that mm -hmm. complexity. She is charming. She is sweet. She is a little dubious. She's a little cold-hearted, too. She really gets that to come across. And it's a really interesting, kind of complex performance. I really dug it. Good job, Erica. Okie doke. I'll jump in next. Um, I'm going to start with Ver Veronica, actually. I'll start with Erica Schroeder. Um, Veronica is... Much of the stuff that Gigi and Andrew have already described about her, same sentiments. I just also really, really loved... Where did I put it? Where did I put those notes? She is... She's also... Veronica is very gentle. She's very poised. She's She has that very... Like, a, like this very 
strong presence um, as a courtesan. So she knows what she's doing. She's this independent, like, it's to, to bring in probably one of the things you hear nowadays. Strong, independent woman that she is. Yep, basically. Um, that's, that's Veronica's character in a nutshell. And I think Erica portrays that very, very well. But she also... She also knows the dark, the, the downside and the dark sides of her profession as well. Hence what Andrew described before, that scene in the alley where Veronica took um, Arte to show her, uh, like, what happens when you fall in love like that. Um, she means very well, but she understands that there are dark moments... Um, that, and th bad things can happen to people sometimes. Um, she also understands that there are parts of her job that may not be that great. Like very early on when she meets Ar when she meets Arte, um, not the first time, the second time, she immediately tells her one of the th as one of the things because Arte was just gushing about how self-sufficient and independent she is. She's like, well, I, I, I'm flattered, but I feel like the moment you un you learn what my profession actually entails, you might change your mind. Like, she immediately warns her of that. So she is very self-aware of not only who she is, but what her profession entails. Um, and I think that adds a lot more to Veronica as a character, and Erica brings that out very, very well. <sighs> Angelo, my sweet, sweet vanilla bean of a boy. God damn. <laughs> we already know Gigi loves fucking Leo. I love Leo too. He's great. But Angelo is just a sweet vanilla boy. You know me and my 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 like of vanilla boys. Yeah, we've noticed. We we know uh, we know this. Hey, what's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Um. <laughs> I'm not walking into that one. Uh, anyway, Wayne Grayson is Angelo. <laughs> um, no, I, I have similar sentiments that Gigi kind of gave, where I mostly know Wayne Grayson as Joey fucking Wheela from Yu-Gi-Oh! And while before Arte, there were, like, small, other small roles here and there that I've heard Wayne Grayson do, um, napping, a very minor role in Napping Princess comes to mind here, this... So is, is this this is a similar tone of voice to Joey, but does not have the mannerisms and the same personality as Joey, which is very which I think is what's very jarring and is like holy shit, yes. wait what? That's yes. exactly it. It's the same tone as Joey, just not the same mannerisms and personality as Joey. Um, yeah, Joe um, Wayne Grayson as Joey and Angelo Angelo is the same tone. As Joey, but not the same mannerisms and personality that Joey has, which is what makes it weird, but also very surprising and enjoyable for me. Because because every kid who's watched Yu-Gi-Oh! will probably go into Arte and be like, wait, is this Joey? This is weird. Like, everybody's gonna have that fucking moment like Gigi and I had. <laughs> Everyone who's who knows Wayne Grayson as Joey Wheeler will have that moment. But aside from that... Wayne Grayson as Angelo is just so sweet and gentle and kind and he's just he wants to help so much and he he 
kind of what Andrew was going with before, he treats Arte at first as a woman, not as an equal in terms of them both being apprentice um, painters. And over time, he starts treating her more as an equal uh, because at the end of episode two, for instance, when he comes home again and we see his sisters like throwing like a bunch of things and uh, like asks of him to do, he's like, you know, you're actually more capable than you think you are. So, and that line, like, is that realization of, like, oh, he kind of understands now more where Arte is coming from. He still treats Arte with the utmost respect and tries to help her um, because there are some circumstances where it's like, okay, Leo is treating you, like, so hard to the point that I think even a guy wouldn't be able to handle this. Are you okay? <laughs> like, he, he, he treats her more as an equal, and I think... Wayne Grayson's portrayal of Angelo is very soft and gentle and kind and just so sweet. My sweet little vanilla boy Angelo, he's so precious. I love him. I actually think in terms of the secondary characters, this is actually one of my favorite performances. There's quite a few really good performances. I loved Erica as Veronica. I really love Wayne as Angelo. I love Michelle Marie as um, Katarina. Like a lot of the secondary performances, I really, really enjoy. They're so strong. Um, but yeah, both Wayne and Erica, I think, were just very, very wonderful performances. Um, Jamal, I think that leaves you, yes? Yeah. So, I, I guess in all the Insuri Chaos, we never really talked about Veronica's character much. Mm -hmm. uh, the show states she's a high-class courtesan, which generally means prostitute. But, yeah. uh... A, nice, a nicer way of calling someone a prostitute, basically. Yeah, if you kind of didn't pick up on that, watch her, the last episode she's in where she talks about she needs a painting in her room to help her clients relax. Yes. Mm-hmm. But hearing Erica Shorter's hers is kind of a breath of fresh air because, I, I, like I said, like we, we've known her for like four kids kind of stuff because I think, if I remember correctly, she was also the previous voice of Blaze the Cat and Sonic X and the, the like. She was, yes. She was the four kids of uh, Blaze the Cat. No, she was the first voice of Blaze of the Cats. Blaze the Cat came to exist during the four kids era of the Sonic cast. Yes, I know that. I used to be a Sonic fan when I first started out on the internet. I'm still a Sonic fan now and forever. But yeah, that's the same type of voice I kind of hear from her. The, and the regal kind of presence, but she she's self-aware and understands what needs to be done. In order to always survive. And I thought she pulled that off pretty well. Wayne Grayson. <laughs> yeah, like you said, anybody and everybody that would know him as Joey Wheeler, yeah. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it would be kind of jarring for them to under, under, yep. to hear him as this role. In which, welcome to the world of dubbing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> welcome. Have a seat. <laughs> also, it's kind of interesting we're talking about him and Doug Earhart to the same show because... When I first saw Joey Wheeler on TV, I he almost to me looked like a bigger version of TK from Digimon. <laughs> Fuck. Two thousand one was a hell of a year. Let me tell you that. Oh, I bet. Anyway, yes, but hearing Wayne Grace outside of what we normally hear him as is, is very interesting. That's something, that's something you get to hear often, but when you do, it's always very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I thought he did very well as Angelo, as a, as a chivalrous apprentice who's willing to help 
whatever and whoever's in need. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's very chivalrous because you find out he's pretty much the youngest child of uh, five other sisters. No, he's not the youngest. He has two younger sisters. Oh yeah, I forgot. The, I forgot the two younger sisters. He's but... kind of in the. He's he's in the middle of like six kids total, but being the only boy. Ooh. Uh, good thing he picked up on habits quick, but. Mm-hmm. Eh, man, it must have been difficult for Angelo, but eh, well, he does a very good job portraying that personality to him, the aspect of him, because it's funny, because I thought Angelo was going to be a little bit more of a prominent character, but for what we got, it, it worked out very solid. So. Mm-hmm. I'm oh. good. Alright, so... I think we're good to move on, which means we have two more characters left. Uh, for the sake of time, um, I know I said we were, I wanted to talk about them individually, but for the sake of time, I think at this point we're going to put them together. Um, so, we have our two main characters. We have Arte, and we also have her um, master, uh, Leo. So, Arte, as originally described in the beginning of the episode, she comes from a noble background. Um, she is She has a very... Uh, uncanny talent for drawing and painting Um, and after her father passes away and her mother tries to force her to stop she goes out and she tries to become an apprentice at a workshop where along the way because she keeps getting denied over and over and over again because one she's a woman two she's of nobility and you don't see that shit ever uh, in in that day and age Um, along the way because of that she meets Leo who is she he can be kind of grumpy but's fine um he Just a is <laughs> he's a master painter in of his own right um and he has a small workshop um where he decides to take on arte as his first ever apprentice but what we learn very early on as one of the reasons why he kind of connects to arte and des- decides to bring her on um is Leo's background where he actually was a poor beggar um, when he was younger and he ended up stumbling into uh, being an apprentice at a workshop as well after tr- after being denied so many times. So the two of them have very are, are, may have come from different backgrounds but are very similar in terms of their stories. Um, and that's why Leo kind of has I guess a little soft spot for Arte because of that. Um... So, our two individuals voicing these characters, I'm going to start with Leo, and I very much apologize in advance for mispronouncing this name. Leo is voiced by, where is that pronunciation you gave me? <laughs> Leo is, provo- is voiced by Gianni Motragrano. Mat- I think it's Matragrano. Yeah, Matragrano. Matragrano. Wow, I can't even do it. Gianni. <laughs> Gianni, who um actually doesn't have a lot of anime credits under his belt as of now. The only other character, major characters that I could find in terms of credits um, would be Mira from Bigidex, uh, Kamata in the short film Stink Bomb from the Memories Anthology, and recently announced he is also the voice of Minotaur in Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle. Uh... As for Arte, she is voiced by Felicia Angel, who has voiced other characters such as Aoi Asahina in the anime iterations of Daigon Rampa, uh, Alex Benedito in Gangsta, and Kohaku in Dr. Stone. Um, 
for shits and giggles. I'm gonna go first on this. First of all, I mentioned at the top of this episode when talking about staff, there is a voice actor from Canada hiding in this show. Gianni is that person. <laughs> so, Hi, Gianni. Gianni is that person, and it's, again, a very unexpected twist um, that kind of popped up, but the but taking advantage of the whole remote recording situation kind of really came comes into play here with um, Gianni being able to portray Leo. Gianni is a very interesting um, actor because he has, technically he has three roles in this show. Technically. Mm-hmm. He has present day Leo. He is the voice of younger Leo. And he is also the show's narrator. So he has three different roles and each of them sounds so distinct from the other. And that's amazing and terrifying at the same time. Um, I remember when I was kind of getting up to speed at when I first was started Arte uh, months ago. Um, Andrew had mentioned that like his visual, his um, demo reel is like really crazy. And it's like, how can this individual voice like like these characters like this i watched it too and i'm like holy fuck (laughs) this man has range and like if you didn't watch the demo reel you can actually still see his range on full display here with those three different um roles he kind of has to portray leo is very gruff very tough sounding he's very hardened um hardened and disciplined because of his background and his upbringing um, as a poor beggar going into an apprenticeship, going into being a master himself. Um, And Gianni, I think, portrays that very, very well. He's a really good balance, especially with Felicia's Arte, who's this younger, like, optimistic, like, go-get-em attitude. And he is very much a realist, but and he wants to make, like, provide Arte with the tools that she needs, but he also wants her to kind of understand the position she's also in, because to, for all intents and purposes, Leo was in a similar circumstance when he was younger as well, and he had to prove himself just like Arte has to now. So, Leo as a character, he's very gruff and tough, but for a good reason, and Gianni, I think, portrays that very, very well. Um... And again, is a very good balance to Felicia's Arte, to which Felicia's Arte is has a lot of spunk and a lot of drive to her. And she, she can be so adorable at times. Um, I mentioned when we meet Angelo in episode two, right? So there's one point in the episode where Arte is trying to get into um, Master Danilo, who um, Angelo is apprenticing for. Um, she's trying to get into his shop so he, she, she can sketch a, um, a statue that he has there. And um, he won't let her do it until she moves like 10 big heavy bags of clay to a back room just to try and get her to give up. But she does it, and the second that she's like, deal's a deal, right? And he's like, yep. She instantly goes over to the statue. She's like, has the cutest little squee like you could ever imagine. It was so funny and so precious. Arte has so much characteristics to her. She's spunky. She's determined. She has. She's very energetic. 
She is very passionate and compassionate too um, to other people and um, their situations and their lives as well. She has so many personality traits and aspects to her character. Um, the one thing, and I think this is more on the fault of how the show is adapted. Um, <laughs> remember the Wikipedia summary I gave earlier and how yeah. Gigi said, did you write that because we have a problem? It's the whole love angle um, and her relationship and Arte's relationship to Leo. Um, while Felicia does portray those little aspects of Arte's character, I did enjoy those very well. Th that whole arc, I think... The mostly... anime is not a romance, per se. No. Mm -mm. At this point in time, the anime is not a romance. Um, this is not Snow White the with the red hair even though tonally it's probably very similar. Um, the, the romance aspects aren't really developed enough, but I think that's more of a fault of the show and not Felicia's portrayal. I think with those as with the aspects that we do get, I think Felicia does very well because she's very soft. She's just very like trying to figure those feelings out because she never expected to potentially have this first love, this first crush on, on, a, on a guy before. Um, and I think it comes across very well, but she also knows her, she's also very self-aware of her situation and her position in her life and what she's wanting to do. So having that kind of internal conflict I, does come out in Felicia's performance and I do enjoy it. Um, but again, fault on the show really on how that relationship uh goes. I'm um, not sure if that's a fault of the show itself, because I think right now I am okay with them being a master-student relationship. Yeah. It's a, it's a fault of the show that it didn't decide to continue with that, but I think that's more of an issue of the fact of how the show is adapted from the manga. My assumption is, is that the manga kind of develops it a lot more. At or this is a state, little more I, focused on it, yeah. Yes. I actually, as you said, I also prefer the master-student relationship personally. Um, I can see them being a good couple in the future, but I think for what this show does, if it's stuck with the master-student relationship, I would have been A-OK -okay with that. Um, that's why I'm saying it's a fault of the show, not on the performances here. Um, but no, what, with what these two characters are, both Felicia and Gianni have a strong presence in the show. I think they carry the show very well. They have a very good dynamic with each other. Um, I am just also in the camp of Gigi where I won't lie when Arte got shipped off to Venice and we didn't have as much Leo, I was a little bit sad because I do like Leo as a character. <laughs> yeah. I very much like Leo's character. Um, but no, these performances, I really do enjoy them and I think they do very well and carry the show. Um, Steph, you can say through. he's hot. It's fine. Andrew, I'm into vanilla, boys. We both know this. Okay, fair. But look, he, he anyway. is, I will Anyways, say I'll that... say it for you. Look, Leo's Leo kind of fucking fine. Leo's Leo kind of fucking is attractive. Fine. Shut up. Leo is attractive. He's not my normal kind of type, but he is fucking attractive. All right? I said it. God. Um, Jamal, would you like to give your thoughts on these performances? Uh, yeah. Hi, Gianni. It's nice to see you again. 
Uh, it, it's been a minute since I did the BDX episode, but from what I remember, Johnny, his voice was kind of impressive. Like, mm -hmm. But the fact that the man has range, like, mm -hmm. I, I've seen some clips that Andrew retweeted, like, of Master Chief and Spike Spiegel he did. Okay, yes. his fucking Steve Bloom's Spike Spiegel impression is fucking spot on. Holy shit. Anyway. Yeah, yeah but the the fact that Matt's rage was it was very interesting because I went I went cause I went to see how to pronounce his name and I found the Twitch some of his Twitch videos. I'm surprised how naturally deep his voice is. Like, I couldn't believe it. Nice. But yeah. So I, was say, I don't. I don't. I only have contacts with like visual and demo reels. I don't have contacts as to the real tone of voice. So. It's, it's very impressive, I will say that. Okay. So the fact that he not only placed Leo, but his younger self and the narrator, and they all sound mm -hmm. different, that yep. is just chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're all here to talk about the main character of this show, Arte. And I must say, Felicia and Joe was, it was very, she was very convincing as her, because for one thing, she has this kind of spunk and determination that you don't really see in other characters. I mean, yeah, it is kind of like Snow White would read him. Because I remember at one point, she actually just cut off her hair to prove that, yep. you know, she was just more than a girl. In the first episode, too. Which, by yep. the way, you want to talk about tropes I love? I love the cutting off the hair thing in anime. It's one of, like, my favorite things. And they did that episode one. I'm like, yeah! Not and then she tried cutting oh, yeah. off her tits, and I was like, no, sweetie, don't do <laughs> the, that. The, the, the fact that she almost went Van Gogh on her breasts kind of scared me a little bit. Van Gogh but. on her breasts, god damn it. Oh, my God, but, yeah, like, she, she manages to do this character very well. She managed to do justice, and I know the cast, because we, we said that the cast was predominantly Italian-American, right? Correct. We did very early on. I know Felicia's Cajun, if I remember correctly. So the fact that she has to play this type of character, which thank God there were no accents, because even though yeah there were a tiny wood sprinkled in there, I think she managed to to do it very well. Like I said, mm -hmm. you know, because with language, a lot of these are like Latin, have roots in Latin, so she managed to get away with that very easily. But I thought for what it is, Felicia manages to take the character on a journey very well. The, Vice versa with character in her. And I, mm -hmm. I just wish this wasn't the be all end. I wanted to see where it goes more, especially when uh, you know she defies what her, her what plans her mother had for her originally. And then they kind of just reconciled at the end all of a sudden. Yeah, clearly the anime kind of skipped a few things in the manga. Well, it is loosely based. Whether that how much they skipped from the manga, who knows. I mean, if any, if there's any proof of them skipping over stuff, Dacia is very much proof of that. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing because it kind of reminds me of this uh, movie I saw a long time ago. I may pluck that final thoughts for later, but uh, it was very neat, and I really hope I can see more Felicia roles like this. So, okay, GG, you want to talk about your man? Jamal, did you talk about Gianni already? 
Yeah, she yes. did. Yeah, he did. Wow. Okay. She, I'm losing my mind. Gigi, you want to talk about your man? Sorry, I was trying to buy something on Twitter. What else is new? You're um, fine. I'm going to talk about Arte first. We'll just okay. do this first. Um, I also thought this was going the way of Snow White with the red hair, which was a sad day for me because I'm the only person who doesn't like Snow White with the red hair. When she started getting that blushy face around Leo and I was like, oh, no, this this I don't want it. Um, and then I did want it. And by the time I wanted it, it was too late. And we were off in Yurio land and I was upset. <laughs> so the, the monkey's paw rears its hand it's again. God damn it. Like, I really what? I really wanted it. I hear Jamal say, singing "Apologize" by One Republic in the background. <laughs> it, it was not One Republic. Thank you very much. It's a different song. Really? Which one? Uh, it's too late to apologize. That's by One Republic. That's One Republic. No, not that one. Is it sing another it, one? Sing it again. It's too late to apologize. That's, That's by one Republic. No, no, no. What? No, no. Look no. it up. It, it was in the gossip. It was in Gossip Girl. Look it up. I have many of fond memories to that scene watching Gossip Girl and One Republic Bro, playing in the background. I'm going to like look it up. If, if unless there's a different version of this song that you were thinking of, it is One Republic, sir. <laughs> This apology this isn't going so well, buddy. Oh shit, it is. <laughs> oh, okay, you stop playing that name, right now. We I need can that tune in one note, son. I know it's going in the bloopers wheel, apparently. <laughs> oh, fuck it up. oh, come on. No, there's our Patreon clip. There is the All Patreon right. clip right fucking let's, there. Alright, let's Oh, that be out the cockroach, okay. Oh god. Well, right. maybe. I don't know. The we'll cockroach see. is pretty good too. Yeah, we'll All right. see. Anyway, GG. So anyway, let's talk about Arte. Um so at first, like the very first episode, I found her very screechy. And I was like, "Oh no." I was like, "Please don't tell me I have to go through the whole anime like this." Um but as Arte started to settle down, the character started to settle down, Felicia's performance mm-hmm. started to settle down. Um and she started to grow up and the vocal tone that Arte had from the beginning of the show to the end of the show is almost completely different. It sounded more mature. Um, I really liked that you could actually hear her growing up, like not only in, you know, the vocal performance of it, but also in the writing of the show. So I really liked that. I liked that the show is named after Arte. Arte's having this big, huge character arc through the whole show because it's basically slice of life oh god but she had character development which made me really happy so like after the first episode kind of went by i was like oh oh thank you felicia like there there you are i don't have to say bye felicia somebody better get that reference thank god you from the peanut gallery it's, in the back it's, too it's only wednesday it's only wednesday gg come on <laughs> No, I I liked it after the initial, oh my gosh, it's really high-pitched and loud. So Mm -hmm. I I got a thing. That's why I said that Katarina at points sounded more grown up than Arte. Just because in that first episode, I thought Arte sounded very, very young. And granted, she was supposed to be like 14, but it just hit me. 
Well, she she started at fifteen, and by the end of the series, it's at least we at least as far as we know of a year had passed. So she's at least sixteen, maybe bordering seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you could hear the the growth in it, and you could hear yeah. the tonal shift. And I was very, very excited about that because I, like I said, I got a thing about little girl voices, guys. It, uh, let's let's talk about Leo. Talk about your man. Hello, Gianni. Oh, there well, it is. Here we go. Welcome to Dub Talk. <laughs> yes. <sighs> the first thing I wrote down was, where have you been all my life? <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> sweet, sweet Gianni. So... <laughs> Singing in the background again. God damn it. Where have you been? That's Rihanna. Check that one that out. That is Rihanna. I got, I got that. And just All in right. case you get mixed up, Jamal, that is Rihanna. Oh, I know that's Rihanna. That's my people. Do right you? <laughs> I mean, after the one Republic issue, I mean, I kind of question it now. Oh, no. Um. So, anyway, uh, I, love you, Jamal. I, I, I don't know. I was like, okay, Leo's here. He's kind of a daddy. Like, that's cool. Like, is he going to be the daddy that I'm looking for? After Millionaire Detective, I was very disappointed in my daddy selection. Um, and then Leo came and I was like, maybe. Let's let's hear what he sounds like. Oh, my God. <laughs> there it is. Like, remember when one of the first times I heard David Wald and I, like, lost my fucking mind? It was yes. kind of like this. <laughs> and I was it like, was probably with... um. Knowing you, it was probably Diabolic Lovers. Di- it was Diabolic Lovers. 100% it had to be Diabolic Lovers. And I was like, oh, I was like, you'd fit right in there, buddy. God, season three, please. For the <laughs> love of baby Jesus. Anyway, oh um, God, Leo, Leo is so fucking growly. I loved it so much. It was like growly and like assertive, but like you could tell, like there's like this undertone of like caring and nurturing and mm-hmm. wanting to see his apprentice do well. And then after that, I was like, okay, where's the wedding episode? I was like, let's go. Let's skip straight to the wedding because I'm going to be there throwing fucking rice. <laughs> You'll release the doves for them too, I'll maybe release- while you're at it. I'll release the doves, man. I oh my <laughs> god, like I, guys, yeah. I I kind of needed that in my life on that particular day. <laughs> so now you understand with when fucking Leo wasn't in the anime for five episodes. Why I stopped paying attention to the anime practically for five episodes. Leo yeah. is indeed the daddy Leo you were looking for. Was what Gigi's, I was looking Gigi's for. feedback for the Arte anime. Anytime that Leo is not on screen, everybody else should be asking, where's Leo? Where's Leo? Where's Poochie? So, I, so, so <laughs> oh my god. So I have to ask, Gigi. Yes. Would, would he be the new Dilf Whisperer? <laughs> No, because um, David Wald actually plays Arte's dad in this anime. So the Dill yes, yes, I, I know, I know, but... This is the... also true. David Wald is Arte's dead dad. Don't worry, he he'll, reincarnate, he'll reincarnate later and make bathhouses or something. Hey, man, I'm down. Uh, I gotta watch that anime still. Third I'm a little, is fun. I know, I'm a, I'm a little behind, fam. 
Um, but good. oh my god, Gianni was so good in this. So as of 2021, what month is it? February. He's in line the for end my of February, W. Yeah. Hell yeah! Oh my god, like he literally made the first half for me. Like him and Erica Schroeder, like put them together, it was like butter. Oh. I was like, it, oh my! I mean, oh some of those God. scenes they did share together was like, oh yes, music to my ears. Yep, it could have like, gotten a little creepy if you know what I'm saying. Like the acting was really good too, guys. Like Gianni, seriously, where are you? Like, where have you been? Ottawa. Can, I know Canada. you're in Canada. He's been in Canada, Gigi. Is, is he in like that Inuyasha dub or something with all the Canadians? No, I, no, I don't no, know. He's not. What? No, that's a fucking missed opportunity. Gianni is, from my understanding, a lot younger than you suspect. He's not in Yasha, and as far as we know, if he has not popped up in Yashihime either, so that's what I was. I, that's what I meant when I said Inuyasha, because I okay, you meant Yashihime. Sorry, I've never seen Inuyasha. I just know it's Canadian, like all the Rumiko seen, Takahashi I've stuff. I've seen bits and pieces of Inuyasha. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I have been watching Yashikime. So. Oh my god, he's so good. Marissa, can you call him up and be like, hey, be in this, 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 this. Read the phone book. Starting, Where's Jim Ferranda? Can Jim Ferranda and fucking Gianni read the goddamn phone book together? Okay, can I say something, Gigi? I'm going to make you very happy right Wh- now. Why? Jim Ferranda is in Arte. You want to know who he plays? No, who? You're the one who likes He's Jim mess- Ferrande. I thought we could have a double date. Shut up! <laughs> All right. Okay. We're not going okay. there. We are not going there. I'm joking. After Millionaire Guys, Detective I'm... episode went up, I dug a goddamn hole she for did, myself. She, she did dig a phone book size hole for herself. But luckily, <laughs> like, if the phone books, if it's a little town, it's not that thick. So it'd be okay. I have a phone book, Jim Ferranda. So next time I see you, <laughs> I will remember to pack it. Oh, anyway, God. who does Jim the, Ferranda the play The answer to Arte? my question of do you know where he is? He's Master Danilo. He's Angelo's master. Oh, do you know Alejandro Saab is in there too? He's one of the mean boys. He's a couple of characters, I think. Yeah, he's a couple different characters. I I found that cinnamon roll real quick, but damn, Gianni, damn. I say this with love. I'm not trying to be weird, (laughs) but you're real good, sir. If Gigi gushes about you and says all these things, you done good. <laughs> you done good. Sir, Which... you're real good. For for the for for those who may not know Gigi as a person, she loves her trash stuff and she loves her boys. The fact that she is gushing about a performance for a man for a man <laughs> means you done good, <laughs> sir. <laughs> man. <laughs> I was like man. I I heard David Wald, and I was like, well, there's my daddy. And then I heard Leo, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I have oh, my two. God. He may have been, <laughs> just imagine just Leo's voice. He may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. <laughs> yep, I knew you were going there. No, Mr. God, Mr. ask Gianni. He probably would totally say Mr. Matagrano, you are very good at what you do. Please continue <laughs> working. I loved it oh, a lot. And also, if you ever see auditions for sexy vampires, please do them. Thank you. 
Okay. <laughs> Andrew. All right, I'll keep. I hate keep... to do this to you. Please try and be at no, least I know, somewhat I know, brief. I know, I know, I know. I, I'll chime in and quickly say I think Marissa has said to me in the past that anytime she finds an opportunity to use Gianni, she does like to bring him in there. He's actually Good. shown up in three different death battle episodes. Yeah. And she and nice. she is like the voice director and like like voice director and cast like a lot of those. Marissa, you're the fun best. Fun. Never change. <laughs> Oh, okay. one of these days, it would be great to meet Marissa in person. She seems so chill. Right? I will buy oh, yes. pizza and or liquor or both. Whatever you and so if you're desire. And if you're Probably curious both. which characters, Lex Luthor, Nathan Drake, and Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal. Oh, my God. Lex Luthor. Oh, there you go, Gigi. She has to go watch Death Battle now. Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> it's Lex Luthor versus Iron Man, in case you're curious. Moving on. Okay, yes, so on, my first experience with Gianni is he has this really amazing, like, gravel, gruffness, roughness to him. He sounds mm -hmm. aged, he sounds tired, but he has, like, a, a kindness, a wisdom, and he's just a genuinely, like, compelling character. You can tell he's stern, he's firm, and he's harsh. But you can tell he does that not out of to be mean, not to be harsh, but because he truly cares for and respects Arte and really kind of admires her passion and uh, perseverance in the face of a lot of bullshit adversity and sexism in the art community. But yeah, I think he just got this great authority. He just got a really good voice he uses for Leo. He gives him the right level of humanity, this level of snark, but also sincerity and sweetness, where you see when you see the mask come undone and you see him show his soft sensitive side, yeah, I feel I feel what Gigi felt where it's like, oh god, yeah, no, I want to be in his arms. Fuck. <laughs> so I get it, his, Gigi. His, I tease you. I get it. <laughs> he, he he also has those moments where he has to, like, hide his laughter because Arte's a silly goober. Oh, God, I love it's that. It's so cute. It's, I love it. All right, but yeah, no. Gianni, welcome to Dub Talk. Holy shit, I want to hear more, everybody. Ah, the fact that... Oh, my God. I think this is the first. I think this oh is my the first God, for wait. someone who's not Gigi welcoming <laughs> someone into Dub Talk this way. Look, this is this is Again, my first real experience. Those... Not just me. Your daughter calls <laughs> me daddy too. <laughs> Again, for those who might be new to Dub Talk and who are who are using Arte as a launching point for listening to us, context. Sometimes Gigi gushes over voice actors because she loves her trash and she loves her boys. When that happens and it's a very good performance from a guy. <laughs> She welcomes them to dub talk. I've also welcomed women to dub talk, too. Most times it's guys, though. Well, I'm Most sorry. times it's guys. Most times. It's Most cool, times. but no, like, G I say the that context. not because, I say that not because, like, it does stuff for me. It does sound a little hot, not gonna lie. But look, <laughs> the point being, this dude's got a great voice, and mm -hmm. I, we need to hear more of him. Like, we need yes. to hear more of him in anime dubs, and the fact that he is getting more anime dubs is a net positive for all. Again, Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle was this just is, announced this week when the time is of true. recording. This is true. This is true. Point. The point I'm making. Point I'm making. Now let's talk about somebody who is absolutely no stranger to the Dub Talk podcast. A fucking 
veteran at this point. Felicia Anjil. I adore her Arte. And I think as Gigi put it, you really hear her grow up and grow into this person. She is spunky. Mm -hmm. She's a little immature at the start. But you see her grow up wise up, learn the ways of art, learn the ways of the world, learns about all sorts of different people in society she never would have interacted with if she was a sheltered, kinda rich girl. She learns, she interacts with, like, the local baker. She learns how to properly, like, carry her back when she's doing stuff. She's, mm. she makes friends of all different walks of life, the rich, the poor, everything in between. She's a kind, caring individual. She will stand up for what is right. She will say shit when things are wrong. She'll stand up to, like, kind of ignorant people. She'll make herself known as a presence to the other apprentices. She'll talk shit to Marta and say, You're not even considering your daughter, fucking yes. asshole. Like, oh, yes. God, it's so good. Felicia has a sweetness. She has a sincerity to her. She's goofy. She's silly. She's funny. She has these great little noises she makes. She's just... But also, she's got heart. She's got... She's got perseverance. She's got an inner strength and a fire in her belly. Like, legitimately just... She wants this. She is going to work to get what she wants. She wants to be better. She wants to be smarter. She wants to be everything in between. I'm also going to use this opportunity to say to give props to like one of my favorite line reads in the fucking show uh, mm -hmm. is when she after she's basically gets rejected by doing a background a bunch of times and being told by Leo this isn't good enough try again did you think your first time was going to be good enough no you got to get this right this is for a well-paying client so she does it again again and again and again until she finally kind of like gets it gets it right and Leo's like Okay, this is good. And then she's just thinking to herself, I did it! No, wait. I did it! No! Hold it in. Not a big deal. Yep. Yes, Every sir. I'll do Arte my best. Wants to yes. No, 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 Every no, no, time no. Hang Arte on. wants to cry is adorable, by the way. Every time she wants to cry, she tries holding it in. But I love yes. when she holds it in and she has this really smug... Yes, sir. I'll do my best. And it kills yes. me every yes. time. I yes. love it every time I hear it. It's Felicia funny goes into shit. a little bit of the lower part of her register for that specific line read. It's great. But yeah, no, she's like a sweetheart. But you also hear like when she's a little more of like a tomboy klutz. But you also hear mm -hmm. when she classes up. Like when she has to negotiate with uh, Maestro Ubertino. And she sounds a lot more regal, classy, sophisticated. She uses much more like intelligent language more like high class society talk and it conveys itself in her delivery but god i could gush about this forever but god felicia angel like i know she's a veteran at this point but god she made me adore arte it was fantastic and probably probably in my opinion, the best in the, sh in the dub period. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there anything else that anyone wants to state before we move on to final thoughts? God bless you, gonna... Gianni. It good. Second time's the charm, Gianni. Welcome to Dub Talk. <laughs> God bless. All right, let's move on to final thoughts. Um, I... 
let's try and keep it as brief and concise as humanly possible. Um, let's start with, I'm gonna start with Andrew on this one. What are your final thoughts on the English dub of Art Day? I feel like we, like now it's sort of not as like impressive, I say impressive, but it's like we got it a little more used to people adapting to like kind of like broadband, broad reaching like simul dubs now where it has everybody mm -hmm. from all over. I feel like Arte was one of the first ones to really, really make it stand out. Right. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm also getting a call from Noah right now. I'm going to have to see what that's about after this. Um, okay. <laughs> but no, uh, this dub was really ambitious. This show was really enjoyable. I really liked I really liked my time with it. I really think you should definitely check this out. Thank you, Marissa, for telling us to review it. Jamal, what are your final thoughts on Arte? It's very good. Very out of the box. I really liked what I saw. I just wish there was some more context to certain characters. Felicia mm -hmm. Gianni would definitely just stand out to this show. I mean, everybody did very well, but it's just like, you know, there's a certain chemistry that I could pick up on very easily. It's nice to hear. Actually, come to think of it, I don't think Felicia has had a lead role before, has she? Ensemble she stars. Has. She has ensemble oh, stars. Oh and yeah. She's also, but, she's she has also been one of the she's also one of the three leads for Gangsta. Though, arguably speaking, you could say. Um, but I mean, oh, like, Brandon Potter and Ian Sinclair's characters are more of the stars of it. But but I mean, like, what she really stands out because I've seen a bit of ensemble stars and she doesn't really stand out as much though. So mm, okay. But I thought, but I thought she did. Very, but I thought they all did very well in this job. I mean. If there were any nitpicks to be had, it's mostly because of the show itself. Yeah. I just wish we got better the bargain, maybe see what was going on here. But. Um, I actually looked into this earlier as a side note. Um, the manga is actually licensed. Um, is it? Three, it is, actually. Okay. I saw it. Um, digital for, only, I bet you $10. Digital only, though. Oh. Ah! Want to know why? Because it's fucking shoujo. Mmm. I think it's more on the company that's that licensed it. I think, but anyway, I is it Kodansha? No, it's um, uh, Media Doe. Who the oh, well, fuck then, that? Then never mind. Exactly. My statement no longer stands. It's Media Doe, who um has the license for the manga, and so far they've only licensed, they've only released three volumes of that's like. Annoying. Three volumes out of how many are there currently? Fourteen as of January twentieth, twenty twenty one. This manga started in twenty fourteen, by the way. Uh, and the last Woof. time a volume of the English was released was July of twenty nineteen. Oh, uh, we're well, not getting any more of that. You better. It depresses me. Scanlate. As annoying as that sounds, I think everybody did a very good job for what they were given. I know mm -hmm. this is probably. Kind of something like do do to Marissa's heart, you know, because yeah. she can she can definitely put her old spin on this, you know, and yeah, make it as reflective as she wants it to be. And I I I really like how she made the dub stand out. That's all you really have to say. So, okay, Gigi, your final thoughts on Arte? 
I went into this thinking it was going to be a shoujo romance, and it was for about two episodes, and then it wasn't anymore, so I got real sad. Um, that's the anime's fault, though, not the dub. The dub for this is amazing. So um, I enjoyed it definitely more because of the dub, um, but it's very it gets very slice of lifey past episode five or six. So if if that's not your jam... Just prepare yourself for it because <laughs> uh, I didn't. And that's why um, me and Yuri will forever be best enemies. But um, frenemies. Yeah. Not. E- no, we're not friends. Ah, just enemies. Okay. Yeah, we're not. We're not <laughs> friends, me and Yuri. Um, but that being said, the dub is really good. So if you like good dubs and you like slice of life shows, personally, I don't. But that's on me. And like I said, I thought it was going to be a romance. But you should watch this for the dub anyway, because the dub is friggin stellar. So if you like good produced dubs that feel like people actually cared a lot about them. Um, I would go ahead and, and give this a watch. Plus, the character designs are really nice. And you get to hear Leo. And I'm done now. <laughs> okay, my final thoughts real quick. This, even though the show is really wonky in terms of an adaptation, um, the dub itself really, really is a culmination of what full like remote recording and the advantages of that can entail. Um, again, you have players from different parts of the United States plus Canada. So the fact that it really, it's a culmination of, of what these opportunities can bring. Um, and we're seeing more and more of it now post Arte as well, which is fantastic. And I hope that continues to flourish and not just in Texas, but also on other coasts as well, uh, because those opportunities are there. And the more opportunities there are for voice actors, the better. Um, there's a lot of tender love and care, a lot of attention to detail, a a lot of things that are just so enjoyable uh, there is not a single performance in the show that i dislike there are performances that i might have minor qualms with but there's not a single performance in the show that i dislike just overall it's very solid it's very so much fun if you have not watched arte i said this in the beginning i think it's one of those gems that kind of flew under everyone's radar please go and watch the show it is wonderful if you would like to watch arte you can the english dub and the japanese are both are both available on funimation now as well as hulu um if you also want to pick up the manga as we were just briefly talking about the first three volumes are available in english from manga do um, I found them, they're available digital only as far as I could tell, uh, through Amazon. I looked at that earlier today, um, and if I wasn't trying to not go crazy on money, I'd probably buy them. Andrew, please stop me if I try to. Uh- <laughs> I don't. Like, the fact that the last thing they released was, like, July 2019, 20- and it's digital only, and it's a company I genuinely have not heard of, that's already, like, oh, yeah, that's kind of sketchy. No, yeah, but it sucks. Um, but please go watch Arte. Arte is fun. Yeah, it's go great. watch Arte. It's good. Please, mm-hmm. it's so cute. Um, if you want to, um, I wow, I blank on these on these outros from at this point now. 
Uh, if you want, if you like what we do here at Dub Talk and you want to support us, if you are either watching us on YouTube or you're listening to us on the go, whether it's through Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, please make sure you subscribe or follow us on those platforms so you can continue to um, watch or listen to us. We release new episodes every week. Uh, if you want to support us or follow what we do as well, uh, social medias, we have a Twitter, and we also have our Twitch account at Dubtuck Podcast. We also have an Instagram and a Tumblr, but they're probably basically dead at this point. And if you would like to follow, uh, support us in a completely different capacity, we have our Ko-fi for one-time donations, and we also have our Patreon, which if you would like to request us to do certain episodes, at the time of this release, in theory, it would be the end of March, so we will soon be doing our next drawing for our next Patreon episode. You specifically have to be part of the $10 tier to do uh, in order to potentially see if you can request a show for us to cover in the next few months. Um, and speaking of our patrons, we have to, of course, give thanks to our patrons uh, from... We have Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie hands. Sue, this Tweet. is a new Sue tweets. This is a new one for us, so welcome, Sue. Uh, and Victor Mayborda, as well as Carly Lestacal, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2, aka Jared, Julia W. Welcome back to the ten dollar tier, Julia. Uh, Otaku Anthony, and of course Marissa Lenti, who is the person who won our little quarterly drawing so thank you again marissa for this request and this has been a fun one we love this show i, I think we love this one it's thank you marissa thank you marissa ha huh. if you want to follow anything that the four of us do my name is stephanie i'm also known as lilac sometimes you can follow me on twitter at lilac anime review with review being spelled r-e-v-u-e i have a blog lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com which i'm working on revamping and people because I did a poll, people want me to talk about either my anime children or my favorite shows from the last decade. This is going to be a hell of a time. I also do photography stuff. Um, Stephanie's Snapshot Garden, if anybody's interested in in supporting me on that. As for Jamal, you can follow him on Twitter at Jamstar529. You have a blog or something that you do, right? I've I've a blog that collects dust. It's been four months since you've been in, on an episode. I've a blog that's collected dust. I've tried to work on start my old podcast. Uh, I'm also assistant editor to this channel, and I know this is our Along with everybody else. <laughs> I I know this is our much trick, but I'm just gonna make this real quick. I got uh -oh. a dusty old movie you can watch because yeah, no. a lot of Arte's a theme about independence and finding yourself. Mm -hmm. kind of, like I said earlier, it kind of reminded me of this old movie. If you want, go check out Their Eyes Were Watching God. It's hmm. a very similar tale. It's set in the uh, 19th century Florida. It's, it's, it's kind of very heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time. So uh, okay. be very careful on that. Gotcha. Good to know. My favorite. <laughs> Uh, if you want to follow Gigi, uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Anime Palooza. You can also f check out her YouTube channel, Anime Palooza, where she does unboxings and Udapri Shining Live videos. And uh, Shoujo Trash Showdown or, Showdown, or is that a separate? Nope, same channel. channel. Same, same channel. channel. Awesome. Awesome. And then as for Andrew, you can follow him on Twitter at Mangaman9000. Uh, he also is a moderator for the for the Funimation Discord, as well as a co-host on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, along with fellow Dub Talk host Jet. That should be everything for today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah. Believe. This was Jamal. A, this was a this was a yes. good session. 
Can you sing the Canadian national anthem under whatever disclaimer we put with the? <laughs> oh my God! Okay, I, I was gonna I was gonna do a thing related to Arte. And you're. Oh also, welcome back to Dub Talk. The three of us are kind of going on a break, and you're like coming back. So, yeah, I'm about to us, say Jamal's kind of coming back proud, after four son. months, and then the three of us have sh- life shit uh, that we're working. I on have right at now. least one more recording left I need to do, but yeah, some big life changes, exciting life changes, but oh yeah, changes. I want a birthday episode this year. Oh jeez. Same. <laughs> Here we go. Oh my I've God. never asked for a birthday episode. I know you never asked. Because you cross. and Jamal are like one day apart. I'll do mine in June. At the end of June. <laughs> Anyways. I was trying to do a thing. Okay. Okay. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. You're done. I was what Andrew. Our playtime is over. Productive You're art canceled. session. We did a You're good canceled. job working on the canvas, and we got to clean up our paints and and clean our our fucking brushes. The episode is over. You're canceled again. Andrew, while you're cleaning up, make sure you put that uh, measuring tape away. All right. Oh fuck. Yeah. You. Can I you put it in the? I half love bath, you, please? but fuck you. <laughs> put, it, put it in the half bath. Make sure you don't drop it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Otaku on my Slight friends. Slight minor context. Andrew doesn't understand how half vests or measuring tapes work. I'm again, proving he's a child. Hunt, okay. I love Rude. You. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening and or watching. Um, have a good night. And as always, Otaku on my friends. Love your Keep faces. Keep it simpatico. Bye. <laughs>